Welcome to and Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And do we really need four seasons of a ratchet prequel? We're looking at One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? Jeff, I've been <laughs> singing so long farewell all day, just repeating cuckoo. Um, cuckoo. And there we had a moment earlier. Uh, so long farewell. Farewell, guy. Um, we <laughs> and had Jack a Nicholson as Captain Montrap, no, Edelweiss. No, he's clearly he's clearly uh, Friedrich. Um, <laughs> That obviously. Um You are sixteen going on seventeen, man. Um great. So, you know, we had already planned on doing an episode on One for the Cuckoo's Nest when we were like, Oh, you know what? I'm sure there are a lot of like older films and of course, listener, I assume you listened to our episode last week on Greece. If not, check it out. Uh, because that was our oldest film to date at that point in 1978, I believe that and was. And now we're busting that record, baby. 75. But yeah, like, oh, there's so many great classic films that, uh, you know, that had a ton of actors up for them that are absolutely worth talking about. Especially this one, considering it's like one of, you know, one of the most acclaimed films ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, But then we realized that this Ryan Murphy vehicle for sarah paulson which you know i'm never mad about sarah paulson give sarah paulson jobs give sarah paulson an original character how about that how about how about that (laughs) or or playing a real life character like in uh people versus oj which she is stunning credit blaine um this it's like that's and that's the thing i learned because i knew that there was this ratchet prequel that's coming out i believe this friday folks at home but i didn't realize it is Already has like two seasons, and each season being like eight episodes or nine episodes, whatever. But Ryan, I looked at, I just looked curious, so I could be trivia. Ryan Murphy has like a four season plan where each season Nurse Ratchet has a different antagonist, and the last season it will blend into one foot of the cuckoo's nest. So at the last season, you'll get some Randall McMurphy. R.P. McMurphy. So, R.P. So look, I think I had... R.P. McMurphy. R. P. The, the classic received pronunciation, look, Murphy. When McMurphy. The, when the doctor said R.P. McMurphy, I was like, R.P. McMurphy. R.P. What an interesting name. Received pronunciation really, being the name for like that upper class British accent. Yes, it's what you would learn in a school, uh, darling. Is this a bit overdone? Yes, but so is R.P. All, all right. Are, are, we, uh, are we playing cards or are we just jerking off here if he was just like a super classy like british gentleman that was like um uh, well i'd I love to not be in jail so uh, i i i i hugh, hugh grant as mcgriffey uh, um, oh, I, no. I i i i thought i could um um maybe maybe um uh, uh pretend to be crazy what i love is american baseball <laughs> What I would love is to watch, uh, I believe it's called the World Series. I haven't missed a ball game in years. Even in the can, I watch the ball game. Oh, look, he's rounding the bases, if that's what they're called. <laughs> Whatever he says when he gets um, the first, like, electroshock treatment, where he's like, I- 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 I'm-, I'm lit up to Christmas. The-, the, next- the next lady that takes me on, oh, that's what it looks like. The next lady that takes me on will be lit up to Christmas and be spitting out silver dollars. <laughs> We're spitting out pound coins. Uh, spit, spit, <laughs> spitting out those pounds. Spitting out those euros. Uh, anyway, we were talking about something uh, that I had a point about. Oh, oh yes. Ratchet. <laughs> yes. 
yes, yes, yes. I was yes. like, that was pleasant. What, what, what were we talking about? What was I, unpleasant? I got so distracted by accent work. Um, yeah, so like we're. I'm sure I had heard about it. I know right, I had right. in the recesses of the dusty cobwebs of my mind heard about mm-hmm. this ratchet show. And I, I think I was like, yeah, sure. Sarah Paulson, ratchet, sure. But then like. I, I made you watch the well, trailer. I hadn't seen the trailer. So we yeah. watched the movie and then immediately following watched the trailer. And I've got to say, it was so deeply offensive seeing it after having seen this like. You know, I, we'll talk about the film, yeah. but like overall, like very delicately handled, beautifully calibrated, very grounded in that in that seventies that seventies realism. Yes, that you so got in like whatever Serpico and Nashville and like all Dog Day Afternoon, like Godfather, like so right. that feels very like everything is so like real, painfully real, painfully real, and and also just everything was handled with such care. Yeah, you know, and so then. This to uber see this, stylized. Which, like, look, the look of it, I was like, can I live there? Great. Oh, you know? It's incredible design. It but It looks inc- stunning. But but I, 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 I was just like, this Flames, this is, flames on the side of your face. I am doing that. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> but it's just so, yeah, offensive. Like, my jaw was on the floor the whole time. Because I was just, it's also like, I think you said, you're like, this is like very heavy handed like it was a lot less it's so, obvious yeah, the dialogue in is so pointedly obvious compared to a movie that came out almost 45 it's years like ago like they made her into like a the disney villain version it of is, Nurse Ratched. it might as well be maleficent it's yes, literally being yes. like oh what if we did a maleficent version of one flew over the cuckoo's nest and it's like but i i, I, I have so many questions and it's like maleficent thoughts. meets joker is what this trailer is yes. giving me and it's just like i think you just need to be a lot more careful with that when you're talking about uh, something that happens in a mental health institution like yeah like i just i don't know like obviously there's a lot going on in this movie i had it so we, we watched the movie and then the next morning i had a session with my therapist and i was like i have some questions for you <laughs> as a professional in this field you know and i was describing because she hadn't seen it in a while i was mm. describing some of the things and i was like now this seemed irresponsible but i'm not sure if that's just like what people were trying to do at the time or if that was just like uh, right uh, that was because the, the movie nurse. is 75 but the book it's based on was like 63 i Something think and, like I, and I believe the writer of the book i think i believe i could be misspeaking i think he worked at a mental institution which is why he got like so much of the book from so sure. i think it was indicative of the of time the time. but there were things where i was like was this a poor move mm. on the therapist's part or was this just how we understood therapy to work and you know she was she was i was talking about the group therapy scenes in particular and right, right she was like oh well you know at that point in time like that time in history like people were very fascinated very into group therapy she was talking about like these 24-hour group therapy sessions that would happen she's like however in a mental institution i Mm. would think you'd need to handle things differently than just in general group therapy she's like so uh, based on what i remember and what you're saying it sounds like maybe that wasn't the best way to handle it as the practitioner right but you know, we also did have less understanding of what, True. you know, we needed to do to handle. But we things. should have more understanding now. And even if you're setting, I mean, I'm sure that's also the point that they're setting it as a prequel. So they're probably, they're setting it in like the late 50s, it I would looks imagine. very late 50s, early 60s. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it's scored to Hey Big Spender 
really tells you all you need to know about like how yeah. wrongheaded this is. It really because it really is. I mean, like you know, it's Ryan Murphy of like America. It, it really just feels like a, 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 the new season of American yeah, Horror yeah. Story. If which the second season I think was Asylum. Like it really totally. literally feels like he's just retreading the same ground that he did of like oh this asylum yeah. where everyone's evil and, and what and now there's monsters running around at yeah. least in the trailer. So I I will say that some of the issues I had with the film mm-hmm. um <laughs> after watching that trailer I was like you know <laughs> Maybe my issues with the film aren't so great because also this was made in 1975 and this series is made last year. Exactly. And that's a perfect time to dovetail into, yes, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest is a drama that came out on November 19th, 1975. So close to that 45th anniversary, just a few weeks away. And was directed by Mila Schwarman and written by Lawrence Hoban and Bo Goldman, adapted from the novel by Ken Casey and the play by Dale Wasserman. Uh, Amy Jo, what was your experience with Cuckoo's Nest? Had you seen it before? I'd love to tell you, Jeff. I'd uh, love to hear it. Well, yes, I had seen it because I was, I think we've established, mm. uh, a snob uh, in my youth. And so I saw Important Films, capital I, capital F. Same, same, same. Um, but then also, and here I will remove oh, my boy. glasses. Also, Listener, she literally <laughs> removed her glasses. You know, it felt like the right She eye. no longer can see. I... I can see fine. It's just slight astigmatism in the left eye. No, I know. Anyway. I- I'm the one who can't see without his glasses. Continue. I'm sorry. Continue. Anyway, so when I moved to New York City. Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we apple New York City. We apple NYC. Just like John Malkovich, if you listen to our Being John Malkovich episode. Um, Callback. Um, uh, I performed in a live stage production of the play. Now, oh. when you're 22... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not in the actors' union, mm-hmm. which for those of you who aren't in the biz, um, you're either in it or you're not. And it's not like I think I'll sign up today. Like you have to, you have to get in. There's a variety of ways. We don't need to go into that. But anyway, I was not in the union, so I was working a non-union job. And often, when you are non-union, they are gonna skew younger. Because often people sure, who are yeah. established have joined the union. However, in New York, it can be a bit different right. than if you're working like regionally. Like I played when one of my last non-equity gigs, I played the mother abbess in the Sound of Music, bringing it back to cuckoo. That's right. Um, at 26, uh, I was a 26-year-old wise old crone singing "Climb Every Mountain." It made perfect sense. Um, the point is, I went in being like, "Well, uh, am I going in for Ratchet or one of the like the young floozy types?" Mm-hmm. So I just went in and did a monologue and I got called back for Sandra who in the film is called Rose ah, but yes. in the play they're yes, Candy yes. and Sandy so I remember getting the sides and uh, being like I think they had us read like for both Candy and Sandra and and Sandy's the one who enters like yeah toward the end she's on stage for like 15 minutes I truly slept through act one every night <laughs> because I would open at Starbucks at Grand Central Station at 5 o'clock in the morning Ooh. just I normally wouldn't I was not an opener but mm. I would do that when I was doing the show so I would have a time when I could work so I would then I had a pillow I kept at the theater I would sleep on the floor because I was 22 and I could do these things. Mm. And I then would wake up at intermission when all the guys would come in and, uh, and then I would like stretch and like warm up and then it'd be time to go to my 15 minute scene. And I'd (sighs) run around and dance around and just be, like drunk on stage for like 15 minutes. Did, did you tell me that you'd like, you'd come in holding one of your shoes? Yes. Uh, uh, so the line the the stage direction is Sandra enters showing a lot of legs. She has a big earthy wench. And I was like, I could book this. 
this could work for me. And so then my my actor's could, choice. Could you add that to your business cards? Of like actor, big earthy wench. singer, dialect coach, big earthy wench. I did used to have fancy, fancy lady before it's I was starting to use um, less gendered language. I, um, sure, but sure, sure. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. But I, so yeah, I would climb in through the window unit with one like wedge strappy <laughs> shoe on and one in my hand. Because, you know, we'd run across a field to right, get there or yeah. something. So I was like, this is acting. This is called choices. Choices. This is called of like your. This is called your moment before people. But it's also called. You wonder what actors are doing. You're being like, you don't. You didn't like, just appear at a window. You came from somewhere. You I came, came from, from a, a field leading up to like, this mental I institution. Can't run in these shoes, but because <laughs> they're ankle straps with a buckle, I could only get one off in time, and then we climb in. And oops, I guess I don't need both of these <laughs> shoes on my feet. And yes, flip them up. Yeah. So the point is, I'm familiar. Uh, you Jeff? Uh, the exact same, actually. A big earthy wench. I was like, I can book that. No, no, no. I, I'd seen this movie once before. And very similar though to you. In high school, I was like, I'm gonna see all the important movies. It was really mainly '70s movies. It was like in high school. That's when I saw mm. Godfather, Serpico, Dog Afternoon. That's why I mentioned these films because I was like, oh yeah, this is all when I. Them. But also when I saw them all around the same time. Uh. This one flew the cuckoo's nest, like Kramer versus Kramer. Like um, but yeah. So I seen this once around high school, which I I dug it, but I just had. You know, I never revisited it. It was like a lot of the movies of that era that I've been like, oh, I'd love to revisit it now, you know, when I'm twice the age uh, that I was to be able to like more more than twice the age to be like, oh, let me give a more deeper appreciation for for these films. Uh, Now, let's get this episode going. (laughs) So uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest is one of only three films to win the big five at the Academy Awards. Best picture. One. Best actor. Two. Best actress. Three. Best screenplay. Four. And best director. Five. The other two being It Happened One Night and The Silence of the Lambs. Wow, a real eclectic mix. It really is all so different from another. Oh, so good. Uh, But uh, yeah, exactly. All three great, great films. And also, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest was the second highest grossing film of 1975 behind Jaws. Wow. Which it beat for Best Picture. And it also beat Barry Lyndon, which I've not seen, Nashville. And Dog Day Afternoon. That's a good good category. That is a good lineup of films. Because I, I mean, Dog Day Afternoon is so incredible. Another one that I saw in that time that I need to revisit. Yeah, I saw that in college and definitely, I like saw it on a free afternoon, like in my room alone, because that's how I roll. (laughs) And I was like, wow, well, I'm depressed, but also (laughs) inspired by cinema. (laughs) Uh, Now, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen One Flew with a Cuckoo's Nest or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief ish synopsis in 1963 oregon randall mcmurphy randall patrick mcmurphy i'm sorry randall ryan is moved to a mental institution after serving a short sentence on a prison farm for several charges of assault and statutory rape of a 15 year old which i know which apparently the book it's for assault and gambling not for statutory rape, which is interesting that they changed that for the I movie. I don't which, remember what it was in the play. I don't. I don't remember either. But that does like help put you a little less on his side. Yeah, gambling. Uh, I'm like, okay, right. well, that's Who just like cares. Yeah, but like statutory but, rape, oof. though. Yes, 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 yes. Um, though not actually mentally ill, McMurphy hopes to avoid hard labor and serve the rest of his sentence in a relaxed environment. So the script called for uh, Jack Nicholson to leap on a guard and kiss him. When first arriving at the hospital. Mm-hmm. But during filming, director Mila Schwarman decided that the guard's reaction wasn't strong enough. So he told Nicholson to jump on the other guard instead <gasps> without telling him. 
uh, which surprised the actor playing the second guard greatly. And in some versions of the film, you can actually see him punching Nicholson. <laughs> I will say that makes a lot of sense because I was like, they're kind of impassive for like the fact that this guy that they think you know, is a lunatic, uh, right. is jumping upon them. Uh, well, I, 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 they cut immediately away. But in that moment when he's kissing him, you see he really does look like, oh like get him off, get him off. Uh, upon arriving at the hospital, McMurphy finds the ward is run by Ratched, who uses her rule and authority to intimidate her charges into a restrictive, joyless existence. Let's please use her her nurse, given name, Nurse Mildred, Mildred Ratched. Which that's a lot of, that's a hard name to say. It is a fun fact about that. In the script, it was just Ratched. Yeah. Uh, So Louise Fletcher said this. Jack asked me early on what Ratched's first name was. I told him Mildred, which is what I'd made up. A few weeks later, we were filming McMurphy coming back from electroconvulsive shock therapy and pretending to be a zombie. Then he looks at me and says, hello, Mildred. I was so shocked that my face turned red. It's my favorite moment. (laughs) that's good that's, but that's also good on Jack Nicholson to be like yeah. asking your partner even if you know you're like cause I'm gonna use it cause I'm gonna use it but to mess with you. that's also good kind of actor messing with one another I agree that's not like tase that's me not, that's not Dustin Hoffman throwing a glass at the wall by Meryl no. Streep's head on Kramer no. versus Kramer cause he didn't think that she'd be able to act it enough my Stupid eyes Hoffman. I'm gonna sprain them from rolling them back so yeah. far in my head. But that's that's good messing with an actor where I it's agree. like because it's also very in line with like the rules of what the characters would be doing. It's right. safe. You're not gonna hurt someone. Right, right, right. You're right. not like doing something that it's I mean, even kissing someone, which like and in that instance, I think is probably okay. But even even so, yeah. like, I mean, he's, so he's, he's, also, bit, he's kissing him on the cheek. It's right. not like that can whatever. still be a little like whoa, 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 whoa. You of course, know? of course, of course. Um, but yeah. but something like that where it's just purely like a slight ad lib that just digs to the ribs yeah that's great where you yeah exactly good trivia hunting jeff oh shocks thanks the other patients include anxious stuttering billy bibbit chief bromden a very tall seemingly deaf and mute native american charlie cheswick who is prone to childish tantrums delusional and innocent martini the articulate repressed homosexual dale harding belligerent and profane max Tabor. Epileptics Jim Seffelt and Bruce Fredrickson, and quiet but violent-minded Scanlan, who, when the first time we saw Scanlan, who's got a great oh big bushy beard, I just went, you really thought it was Mandy Patinkin. I was like, I didn't think it. I was just like, man, I can't stop thinking about how that looks like Mandy Patinkin in disguise. That well, looks well, like... he had to because he couldn't. He was like, oh, I, 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 I didn't get cast as McMurphy. I didn't get cast as Billy Baby. McMurphy. McMurphy. I didn't get cast as a table. I wasn't Doctor Spivey. So, so I. I, I... The, the actual Scanlan I, I locked in a closet because I, Mandy Patinkin, want on this film. Scanly Patinkin. <laughs> no, every time we saw him, because we don't always hear the name. So, you know, you hear Scanlan because he has very few lines, but he's right. more like cut to and Scandy, referred to. Scandy Patinkin. Scandy Patinkin. <laughs> but I got, every time we'd see him, we'd be like, oh. Mandy, what are you doing? Didn't you at one point were like, well, he's just, you know, practicing for Tata. Well, that's because, yes, because he would then, well, he's just, you know, he's like, I, I really want to work with this Milos Foreman. I'll, I'll get to work with him someday. And then he would as Tate in Ragtime. So it was like, uh, I think with Brad Dorff, again, I think Brad Dorff is younger brother. Oh, was he really? Uh, yeah, I've which... not seen the film. I've read the book because, again, I'm a snob. I've only seen bits and pieces because I played younger brother in college, but I purposefully did not want to watch the movie. So I read the book, but I didn't I didn't watch the film. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's like Mandy Patinkin is like, I'll work with you someday, Milosh. 
and you'll know about it. During his time in the ward, McMurphy gets into a battle of wills with Ratched, including proposing that the ward's work schedule be altered so that the patients can watch the World Series on television. I've heard of this American baseball, and I think it could be a tremendous diversion. Could we maybe watch the rugby game? I'm so affable. How can you disagree? No, could we could we exchange the work schedule so we could watch? I believe it's called a ball. <laughs> cricket? I'm sorry, sorry, no, no, cricket, no, no. I'm an American hot blood I, I mean American that, um, male. I mean um, that, that 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 football. No, not not the soccer. No, 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 no. no. I can't pull the as, as, we, as the rest of us call it. Um, no, I don't know. Your your your. your I, I'd love to watch that American football that I love as a fellow American. <laughs> Hurrah! Oh man, that might be. I mean, I'm sure. That, of course, there are worse actors, but Hugh Grant as McMurphy is one of, is one of the <laughs> like least terrible casting choices. <laughs> it's awful, but delightful. Oh, sure, is. Frustrated by the fellow patient's lack of courage, Mac takes wagers on whether he can lift the ward's marble water treatment control panel. That's what it's called. Apparently, according I was to like, Wiki, I was like that big faucet thing. The big faucet. Uh, and throw it through a window to escape and watch the series at a bar. He naturally fails, but puts forth an extreme effort impressing the fellow patients. And he does have that great mic drop of an exit line, like, but I tried. At least I tried. At least I tried. Right. And apparently he, like, really tried to lift that. So he, like, he scrapes on his arms after the scene because he was, like, really going full tilt trying to get that thing off the ground. You can tell. You, there's that whole series of memes of actors, and I've been guilty of this. We've all had to do it, where they're carrying coffee cups that uh, are they're clearly fully empty, empty. Yep. and it's like you can yep, try yep. and act weight but it's just hard to do um yeah. and, and some people don't bother to try and nope. um but you can tell that he's like really straining which on on camera when yeah. you're only gonna do a few takes of it as opposed to like doing it eight shows a week which even right. then like you still need to like be able to make it look like you're doing it but it's like good on you nickels good on you nickels good on you hugh grant good on hugh good on Good on Hugh Grant. Ratched soon sees McMurphy's lively, rebellious presence as a threat to her authority, and she confiscates the patient's cigarettes and rations them, and suspends their card-playing privileges. In turn, McMurphy steals a hospital bus, escaping with several patients to go on a fishing trip with his lady friend Candy, who Billy takes a liking to. Um, which that is fun when it's like that one guy at the dock is like, what are you, you can't be on this boat. And it's like, oh, we're from the mental facility. We're all doctors there. We got, you know, uh, we got Dr. Bibbit and Dr. Tabor, Mr. Harding. <laughs> oh, no, so no, no, that's right. No, that's right. It's, it's Scanlon, the faint Dr. Scanlon, the, the famous, famous Dr. Dr. Scandy Patinkin, uh, Mr. Harding. Mr. Harding. And just that actor's like, face just like, so like what ever so slightly oh, falling like, I hate you. It's so, <laughs> so delightful. After learning that the judge's time sentence doesn't apply to the hospital and he could remain there indefinitely, McMurphy makes plans to escape. He also learns that he, Chief, and Tabor are the only non-chronic patients sentenced to staying at the institution, as the rest are self-committed and could voluntarily check out at any time, but are too afraid to do so. McMurphy, Chief, and Cheswick get into a fight with the orderlies after the latter becomes agitated over his confiscated cigarettes. Ratchet sends him to receive electroconvulsive therapy, where McMurphy discovers Chief can actually speak and hear, having feigned his deaf muteness to avoid engaging with anyone. Okay, a couple things. Number one, such a great moment. Like, when he just, like, casually is just like, Thank thanks. Thank you. And, and then he I just love hands, juicy, fr- I, juicy fruit. That's that's it. He, he was like, because then uh, that is great. Where Nicholson is just like, huh? And he's just like, well, let me 
if I give him a piece of gum, maybe he'll keep speaking. I mean, he he only speaks if you're giving him gum. It's like putting coins into a slot machine. Exactly. But he is, he's just like, mmm, juicy, juicy fruit. fruit. Now, would he have said thank you regardless? Or is it only because it's juicy fruit and juicy fruit is his favorite? <gasps> if Jack, would, would he have been like, like, mmm, Wrigley's? These are the questions. These are the hard-hitting questions we answer here on And Almost Star. Mm, bazooka. Mmm, foot by the foot. Mmm, hubba bubba bubble tape. <laughs> <laughs> that could be his favorite. I mean, he's a big guy. He might he might need a lot of bubble gum. He just like takes like the whole tape it's a real dispenser. Andre the Giant kind oh, of thing. Oh, of course. He probably he probably could. I, I mean, I, I don't know if he could give Andre the Giant a run for his money. He's like a good, like, half a foot shorter, yeah. so. Yes, very true. Very, very true. Uh, after being subjected to the therapy, McMurphy returns to the ward pretending to have brain damage, but reveals the treatment has made him even more determined. Also, uh, Mila Schwarman relied heavily on reaction shots to pull more characters into scenes, which you can totally see. And it's like, oh, one yeah. of the great things about the film is like how, I mean, even Nicholson, cause he talks and talks and talks, but like so much of his best moments are like when he's just like reacting and just You're silently watching. Christopher watching. Lloyd watching. Oh, Christopher uh, Lloyd's talk, faces you know? are incredible. Um, and also a great, I mean, some of those faces are unintentionally funny. And, and it just reminded me of him as Doc Brown, where it's just like him, like suddenly like clocking, like, wait, huh? What? what? Huh? Oh, Marty. We gotta break me out of this hospital, Marty. I made a mistake going back in time. I got locked up. Um, but there were 10 minutes worth of Jack Nicholson's reactions film during the group therapy scenes. Like, they would just go through all these other actors just with the camera on him. Um, but there's the one shot of Louise Fletcher when Nicholson comes back from the therapy. Once it's like he's revealing, like, I'm in on it. Mm -hmm. And she's just, like, staring. And that was not her in character. That was her irritated reaction to a piece of direction from Foreman that he just was running the camera. And is like, I don't care if you're mad at me. It still works for you being mad at Nicholson. Oh, man. Which is annoying, but also got her an Oscar. So, you know, oh, hey, yeah, now Mick Murphy and Chief make plans to escape, but decide to throw a secret Christmas party for their friends after Ratchet leaves for the night. McMurphy sneaks Candy and her friend Rose into the ward, bringing bottles of alcohol and bribes the night guard, Turkle. After a night of partying, McMurphy and Chief prepare to escape, inviting Billy to come with them. Not ready to leave the hospital, he refuses, but brings up that he likes Candy. McMurphy arranges for him to have sex with her, and... I believe he calls it a date, A date. Jeff. Yes, yeah, so he's going to have a, a, a date. quick date. He's have a quick date. Um, but Ratchet arrives in the morning to find the ward in disarray and most of the patients passed out drunk. She discovers Billy and Candy together. And when Billy shows no shame and stands up to Ratchet, no longer stuttering, she threatens to tell his mother. And Billy cracks under the pressure and his stutter returns. Which simplifies it a little in terms of like, oh, now my stutter's gone. Oh, and the second you say mother, it's just back whoops but you know story the movie can only be so long uh ratchet has him placed in the doctor's office to wait for the doctor to arrive moments later when mcmurphy is trying to escape billy commits suicide by slitting his throat with broken glass mcmurphy flies into a rage and pins ratchet to the floor choking her until the orderlies knock him out at this point i would like to read the exact <laughs> note i wrote please oh right his assault charges <laughs> All right, five counts of assault. It's because it's not, you know, it's very purposeful that you're not like, oh, he, whatever. You could very easily do, I, I'm thinking of like the beginning of Cool Hand of Luke where Paul Newman is just like aimlessly cutting parking mm. meters in half where you're like, oh, okay, you don't really belong here in jail. You could have had him be like, whatever. He gets in a, you could have had the beginning of Con Air where he's protecting his wife and her baby daughter. You, he <laughs> is not. No, he's not in jail for like one count of assault. He's in count for five counts of assault. And he's gone to jail and now not, statutory break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah I definitely yeah. like in that first scene with him in the documentary, he's going through his charges. I was like, that trash. 
Thorax. <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> I thought you were saying when he's going through the first scene, the doctor, and I was like, that trash. <laughs> you trash, you McMurphy. trash, McMurphy. But also that track. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, in, 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 in London, we, uh, you know, we, we just bop each other in the nose. Uh, a friendly, friendly game of like punch and bop. Um, and <laughs> I, 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 the old punch and bop. I, I, I didn't know. Is, 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 is that not um, welcome in the states? Meet me. Uh... Apologies to our English <laughs> friends, and we do have some who listen to this, and I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, but also, you're welcome. <laughs> Sometime later, Nurse Ratched comes back with a neck brace and a weak voice. Um, take it away, her main weapon of her voice. Just your your voice. voice. <laughs> and Harding leads the now unsuspended card playing. Later that night, Chief sees McMurphy being returned to his bed. When McMurphy is unresponsive and physically limp, Chief discovers lobotomy scars on his forehead. Oh, that's a rough moment. Yeah. In an act of mercy, Chief smothers him to death with a pillow. He then finally is able to lift the hydrotherapy fountain out of the floor, throws it through the window, and escapes into the night, cheered on by Tabor. The casting directors of One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest were Jane Feinberg and Mike Fenton, together. Feinberg and Fenton have cast a couple of teeny tiny films such as Godfather Part 2. Ever heard of it. Chinatown. Ever heard of it. Young Frankenstein. Ever heard of it. Back to the Future. Ever heard of it. E.T. Eh, ever heard of it. Blade Runner. Wow, okay, I gotta stab this bit. And Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> ever heard of it? Heard of- I can also see that they, uh, you, you know, it's interesting uh, yeah. thinking of like where they found people and then like, like, hey, Christopher Lloyd, you might be great for this crazed, crazed Hooray, doc. the doctor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And also that they cast, you know, Nicholson in Chinatown the year before, which yes. of course they wanted. He was like pretty much the first choice of who they wanted, which, you know, makes sense. It's like such, such in his wheelhouse Ugh. and like su- such a great utilization of what Nicholson like bring, brings to the table. Um, so some, some backstory on how this movie got made. Because I have like a weird little developmental history because um, Kirk Douglas loved the Book of Cuckoo's Nest, and wanted to make it into a movie, so he bought the rights. No company wanted to do it, so he had adapted into a Broadway play, which he starred in, but it wasn't a big hit. It only ran 82 performances. Really? I know. It was kind of like mixed reviews. It wasn't... It's so wild, because I guess it's the film that made it yeah. so popular that then people do the play, but that's, that's so interesting... It's like a retrofit. Yeah. And he finally was, he considered selling the rights off because it had been, you know, over 15 years at that point. But his son, Michael Douglas, at the time a struggling actor, asked to try his hand to see if at a producing. And he's like, do you mind if I give a whack at it I and see if I can see get the movie made? I did his name in the creds. He sure did. Uh, so Milos Forman fled his homeland in 1968 when Soviet tanks rolled into Prague. And he had moved to America, and he had made several well-regarded films in Czechoslovakia, but his first Hollywood movie, 1971's Taking Off, a satire of the hippie movement, bombed. So he was living hand-to-mouth in, like, the bohemian er- like uh, area in New York, mm. and, like, unable to pay rent, and just awaiting his next directing gig. And he said, strangely enough, I wasn't panicking because I knew I couldn't go back to Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And then comes this book in an envelope from Saul and Michael, which I saw uh, Zanes, the other producer, along with Michael Douglas. And in my youthful arrogance, I thought, of course I'm the right director because the book is about what I just left, the totalitarian system. Ooh. What Foreman didn't know was that Zanes and Douglas had already met with virtually every other director in Hollywood. Zanes said he was telling us how he saw the picture with such passion. And as we left, Michael and I were walking on air because he came in. He like was, they were like hours and hours. They went to dinner at this like Japanese restaurant and like they were like, 
please leave. We need to close this restaurant. Because he was just like, had so many great ideas for the film. But and that's such also just such a great example of like, if you really can get the right, like people, the right team together and the right thing and people who have something to say with the material, yeah. that's not necessarily the direct line you would think of it. It's not someone who's like, well, my father was in a mental institution. Yeah. So I have a lot to say, which would be its own very specific take on it but being like i see this like kind of like arthur miller writing the crucible being like Mm. i have something to say about this about what this represents to me through this lens totally um and only later when michael douglas told his father kirk about the director he'd chosen did they see what seemed to be the hand of fate because in the mid-60s while kirk douglas was on a state department sponsored tour of eastern europe he met foreman and promised to send him the book but foreman never received it because it had been intercepted by communist censors. Oh, come on! Says Foreman, I thought, well, these Hollywood big shots twist your head around and promises, promises, then they forget about you. And then later, Kirk told me he thought the same thing. This a-hole, I sent him the book and he didn't even say thank you. Which is, like, incredible wow. to me. That's wild. Years later, years later to be like, oh, no, actually, this could have, who knows? Who knows? If that book had actually gotten to him, then maybe this would have been made with Kirk Douglas, like, ten years prior. That is bananas i'm so glad to know that what fun <laughs> factoids you've got for this one? Oh shucks well i also have a lot of non-fun boring factoids but i decided not to lead with those <laughs> <laughs> i'm um, stunned to hear this news uh and i'll say this before we get into casting they so they filmed the movie at the oregon state hospital all the actors who played patients actually lived in the psychiatric ward throughout the production the men personalized their sleeping quarters. They spent their days on campus to get a quote, to get a better sense of what it was to be hospitalized, as Vincent Chiavelli put it, who's one of the mm-hmm. actors in the film. Uh, friend of the pod, you could Fr- say. Friend of the pod from Ghost. <laughs> Ghost get of off the my pod. train. Um, that's not his line, but it'd actually be funny if that was his line in Ghost, was like Harrison Ford in Air Force One, get, <laughs> off, get off my train. Um, and for them to be able to interact with real psychiatric patients, uh, which I think it's also, I mean, clearly... You know, in a perfect world, you would have um, neurodivergent actors playing neurodivergent roles. Um, I mean, of course, in 1975, that was definitely not Not, a priority. Not a concern anyone across anyone's mind. And also, it's a huge stigma in terms of actors just being like, I'm neurodivergent, to be able to lead with that, to be able to, you know. I mean, like, even, however, it wasn't that many years ago when um, an actor won a Tony for playing... Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. An autistic Mm. guy. And so now, those productions that are happening, you really wouldn't think about casting someone who's not on the autism spectrum. Uh, And it's like, that's been a pretty quick change. So, of course, in 1975, it was not a thing. So, yeah, just to kind of lead with, like, uh, most of the actors I've chosen are are neurotypical and has its own issue because there's just a lot less visibility for that currently. But it is changing and that's very hopeful to me. Totally agree. Totally agree. But I am glad that even back in 1975, they at least were like, well, let's have you actually talk with people. And they were actually, I'll get into that later, they were assigned. Like all the people were like, okay, well, you're supposed to be um schizophrenic so let's have you like talk with this with this person with schizophrenia and like and you're supposed to have like whatever they were actually being like let's make this as try to make this as realistic as possible but like you can really tell that there was care taken with this absolutely it's not people doing any kind of like i'm acting crazy they're all giving very specific nuanced performances and and not just like doing a general blast of like what i think it might right. look like inside a mental institution. It's like this is a a person who's dealing with a very specific set, which will which we'll see how how thoughtful and what care Ryan Murphy brings to this ratchet. We will see. 
This, we will see. This wretched, ratchet. Oh, wretched, ratchet. <laughs> Around the rocks, the wretched, I'll wretched you, you, you know, if they get to season four and their McMurphy is Hugh Grant, I called <laughs> it, people! <laughs> In a prequel? <laughs> what? No? No good? If I could turn back Oh, we, we've got the Irishman. They'll just CGI his face. And now I'm like, uh, 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 I'm 20 again. I'm doing um, 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 uh, um, four weddings and a um, uh, funeral. <laughs> Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Now, some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I have looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Joe is hearing it for the very first time along with you, listener. Yes. So let's kick it off with Randall P. McMurphy. R.P. McMurphy. Oh, and um, before we get into who was almost cast, uh, Amy Jo, your thoughts on Jack Nicholson? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? What the uh, My note to the Besides side. Hugh Grant. Besides Hugh Grant, who was the <laughs> obvious choice for all of time. Um, I have written next to this, he's great. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, there's a there's a lot about Jack Nicholson to like have some feelings about. Uh, <laughs> you were talking about that like Jennifer Lawrence clip, oh, yeah. and you were like, wasn't there like some award show where he like sidelines her? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, no. She, had she just literally won just won her the Oscar. Oscar, and he just pokes his head and like hit on like, her. Hey, you look like, great. Hey, you, you look. He just he's like something of like you know like you look like a uh, an ex wife of mine or something I like that. Like, I, so... I was just I was just I remember watching oh. that time being like. Get out of here. Um, However, man does all that work great in this part. He does such a great job of bringing that injection of vitality into this place. That I mean, that first shot when he walks in and he's in the leather jacket and the beanie and everything is that like slightly off white. It's not brown. It's not white. It's just kind of there. And I was just like, this is so depressing in in a very intentional Mm -hmm. way. And it's like, so for him to like bring that life force in is like clearly like the job. Yeah. Just so, so animalistic. I'm just, he enters and he's just looking around and is like, okay, let me get the lay of the land. Like what's, what's going on here? What's going on here? And that's when he like, then is like, looks at the guards and he laughs because he, because he thinks he's like, I fooled you idiots. I'm here for three months and I'm out skis. I don't gotta be, you know, working whatever. He's like a prison work Work farm. farm, So it's like, whatever, working in the hot, sun or wherever um, <laughs> fighting fires in california fighting like you might be doing today in california yeah no it's maybe. so true um but anyway one contemporary choice that i had and this is very different but he's i think the same age as nicholson but a similar kind of like intensity mm. but but yeah i, I don't like mm-hmm. it as much as nicholson but uh warren Beatty. oh uh, sure who's also yeah. just like a tremendous actor yeah he tends to play like less working class yeah but i do think he would still be interesting. He's a I fine actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just thinking of in that era is like Bonnie and Clyde is what mainly it, comes yeah. to mind for me. And that, yeah, I, I see it. I see yeah. It. I think and then a slightly, he's a little too old, um, but Steve McQueen is another like mm. actor with just so much charisma on camera yeah. that like I w- I mean he's kind of played a lot of similar kinds well, of well like, like him this. against the system and great escape where it's just like yes. I'm gonna just fling yeah hit my exactly. throw my baseball against the wall like you could you could easily if that wasn't already iconic and great escape have Nicholson like that's exactly throwing a ball right. against the wall annoying the even piss him out of doing Ratchet. the like like thing where he like uh, flips the cards which like yeah. works as like a kind of like sure. Pavlovian device on Martini is a similar kind of like F you to yeah. the to the 
the system. The system. Um, more contemporary choices. And this is just a very obvious choice, I feel. But um, Adam Driver, someone who has like a lot of velocity Ooh. and emotional intensity, who uh, I could it'd be a very different choice. But I also think see, I'd be interested because he does. The thing is, Adam Driver can do so many different things. But like, he's also such a weird guy that I think he sometimes gets pigeonholed like so i i didn't actually think of that until you said it because he'd be more likely looked at to play like uh Tabor or someone like that you know right right but because because all the guys that they chose or even were like, even harding i could even see him you put some glasses on him and like slick his hair back and he's just like <gasps> yes. this repressed homosexual who's like about talking about my, my my wife who was with these other men um because he can do so many things but that's a fascinating he also i mean of course we saw him in, we saw him in burn this on broadway this and we, we left, my we left the theater and i was like when will someone cast him as stanley kowalski in a revival of streetcar exactly he's uh, got so you're so that right. you're so tremendous right. like fire in the belly yeah, speak, speaking know? of because we just saw re- recently ish uh the national theater production on on their on youtube of streetcar, of streetcar. i think ben foster would also be a very Ooh. interesting uh R.P. Yes. Oh, good call. Yeah. Because I've only seen him in that. I've not seen him in oh, any of these movies. He that used to be done. one of my favorite actors because he was like in like the early aughts. He was always so weird and interesting. And he was he did like the TV, the HBO adaptation of the play Bang Bang You're Dead. Mm. Um, he had like three ten to Yuma. Like he's all these. He was weird, so good. Interesting characters. He's really fascinating. And the messenger. He's, he's like a really really good actor. That's who, such who, an interesting choice. Some, like, not great movies. I thought but. he was such a nuanced Stanley. I so bought it as a contemporary guy you know or like a 1990s version of stanley kowalski like it was just like that's a really interesting choice for this part my one last choice and this would be very different Mm -hmm. but i think i would be so into seeing like what this actor would bring to this and that'd be donald glover yeah yeah because i've also seen him perform improv a number of times live back in the day when the guy lived in new york before he was famous so it's like i've seen that like this Donald Glover has maybe more charisma than almost any other performer I've seen yeah, perform live. Absolutely. You know? And it carries over on camera. I'm, I mean, just 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 from the music video of This Is America, oh I could see him doing McMurphy. Yeah. And and exactly. I think you're getting into another interesting power play if you have a black man as McMurphy yeah. and a white woman or whomever as a Ratchet. But having a black centering your film on a mm-hmm. black man coming in and shaking this up. And then ending your film in the tragedy that it does yeah. is, you know, it's a different is tell- story, is, but yeah. it's uh, it's a story. I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat going, it, like, tell like me the, about that. It's the same story, but you're adding a couple chapters. Yes, you are. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting having all the orderlies be African-American. I think that was also a little more common of the day of the well, 1960s in terms of, of the course. jobs, the jobs available. That, to and black I thought men. that was very clear, right. but it also like was this very interesting power play of like, True. yes, the film is centering these like white people, but some of the people with more power mm. are, are these black men. I also thought they were all so good, particularly the two that we see most of, most you of. Know? The, the one that like Nicholson has kind of like a real budding oh, head. So the man, one that tells yeah. him is like, you're staying here as yes. long as we, as Ratchet wants. So good. Just like so many actors in this film, to your point about the reaction shots, there's so much done with so little, like it's such good screen acting. Cause it's just so like, I'm not going to give an inch, but I can, I, the viewer can extrapolate a tremendous amount from that. So watching these guys like 
eyeing McMurphy, just like barely doing anything with their face, but expressing volumes was just, oh man, it was so good. So I actually had a lot more options for this than I normally do. Well, go Um, on, do tell. Really no one for the day. But I was like, if this movie had been made 10 to 15 years later, I was so reminded of watching Nicholson in this, Michael Keaton. Oh, oh, I love that. Of someone that can do that largesse, of someone of like that can do this, like like You're Kevin so Klein, right. like the the heights. But but he's got not that, that Kevin Klein can't. But he's got that grit. He's got that like dark energy. I like that a lot. That's a. Great I mean, choice. he's someone thinking of him in Batman, where he's like, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts." <laughs> if you cross Batman and the, him as Dogberry in that Much Ado film, like I'm like, yeah, I could see his McMurphy, like. Yeah. Put it, put it before me now. I mean, if you put his Bruce Wayne in this movie he did in the nineties, Clean and Sober, which is him like he gets in a car accident or whatever because he's driving like while high on cocaine and drunk, so he has to go to like this program and and it's pretty much BSing his way through it until he actually gets a lot out of it. It's a lot more of a morality play than mm. Cuckoo's Nest is, but it's like you're still seeing him in that framework of him being like, I don't believe in any of this. I'm right. going to do what I got to do and a I'm going to get out of here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So he's who I, the first person I thought of. Made today, so many came to mind. But, uh, so I'll kind of quickly go through them. Sam Rockwell. Oh, yes, good choice. And also because I just rewatched Green Mile for the first time recently where he is Wild Bill and he's a nightmare racist, insane convict in that. So he could really have been anyone in yeah. in of, of whatever. Uh, Bobby Cannavale. <gasps> Ooh, I think it'd be great because also just thinking of like of like the certain like the animal and because he, yeah. he he did um uh uh the hairy ape off Broadway yes, uh, he was fantastic I saw yeah it. yeah yeah um Oscar Isaac of course is someone because oh. also it's also you need that that certain level of the machismo you don't need it but really it certainly helps especially when you're purposefully centering them against a woman in power to have a certain like macho guy that suddenly is like oh i'm i'm ripped i I don't have that to use really in this power play and what that does is more interesting to me than someone that like i was thinking of like someone like andrew scott but it's Andrew not, Scott's such a good actor. I'd watch him do. Anything, I could see like young Andrew Scott but, as Billy Bibbit or Andrew Scott as Harding or or like whomever, yes. but not as McMurphy. Is like no, the because difference. Andrew Scott, while right. while excellent, like I don't intrinsically hate, and right. I kind of want someone <laughs> that to show up, and I'm like. If I met you in real life, I would run the other direction as I'm, fast as I could. I'm surprised that you didn't uh, uh, suggest oh, I thought of Matthew it. McConaughey. Oh, I thought of it. <laughs> but, but I don't but, think he's good enough to pull it off. But what about his um, True Detective co-star, Woody Harrelson? You know what I got to say is I don't have enough of a... Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay, I've not okay. seen Woody Harrelson in anything I don't think. Oh, oh wow. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think the, And Mark Ruffalo is the other person that I could totally see oh, who he's not. He's certainly not someone that you immediately hate, but I think he's got that like that more of like masculinity totally. that he can tap into. I'm, I'm interested in a young Mark Ruffalo as Martini or something like that, you know? Sure. Like, um... I mean, but even, yeah, even like, yeah, young, young 2000, if this was made in 2000 as Billy Bibbit, Mark Ruffalo, you know, it was like oh, a little older. Sure, yes. sure, 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 sure. But um, love that Mark Ruffalo. Anyway, so yeah, a lot more options than I thought. Uh, so Mila Schwarman wanted a star in the lead role surrounded by a cast of unknown actors. Who would turn out to be some of our most famous actors it of all time with sure tremendous would. career longevity. It sure would. But his reasoning being that like, it's easier to see these like unknowns adopting the star as their leader. The, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Nicholson and Foreman had very different ideas about how the narrative should play out. You don't say. Foreman thought that the ward should be in Bedlam when McMurphy showed up, and Nicholson posited that his character would have absolutely no effect on the mental patients if they were already riled up, which would have negated the purpose of his character and therefore much of the plot. 
So Nicholson and Foreman refused to give an inch, each believing he was right and the other was wrong. Nicholson spearheaded a coup among the other cast members. What is this, the movie? Refusing to let Foreman run rehearsals, running them himself instead. Oh, come on. I know, but you're like, you know, what do you, when you're like, you've got one Hollywood movie that was a flop. So, and you've got one of the biggest stars of the time who had like the year before was nominated for Chinatown. And he was excellent in that film. That I think at this point he was nominated for Easy Rider. Last detail, Chinatown and I think one other film before even One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest. Wow. I know, I know. But What have I done with my life? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, during production, Nicholson and Foreman spoke to each other through the cinematographer. Oh, but no. faked a friendly relationship when the media and studio personnel would show up to the set. You don't say. And it's one of the reasons why Nicholson doesn't appear on any of the DVD special features. <gasps> <laughs> I love that. Uh, um, um, y- y- yes, uh, uh, me, uh, R.P. McMurphy. Uh, um, c- could you please, uh, cinematographer, uh, 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 could you please, I, I forgot her name. I was terribly sorry, terribly sorry. Could, could you please tell um, Milos Foreman that I-, I told him to um, eat crow? Could you tell him to go uh, jump in the Thames? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he goes punting and falls off the boat. <laughs> t- t- tell Milos I hope he finds a grey hair. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Me, R.P. McMurphy. So production was delayed for about six months because of Nicholson's schedule. Before they even got to any of that, Nicholson was like, I want to do this film. I'm filming other things. I'm not free for six months. And they were like, you know what? We'll make it work. And Michael Douglas stated in an interview that that turned out to be a great blessing. It gave us the chance to get the ensemble right. For sure. And they need to feel like a unit that has existed in perpetuity before he ever comes in. Yeah. But during those six months when Nicholson wasn't available, they did consider a few other actors. Tell me about it. Now, of course, getting him out of the way, Kirk Douglas, of course. But by the time the movie was getting made, he was in his late 50s. And it was like everyone was... He, he he was like, I'm not going to push this. He's like, I yeah. get it. And no one, so no one had, he didn't have to be like, uh, dad, got some, you might want to sit down. Um, <laughs> But he, uh, he's, well, first of all, because he held the rights, because he bought the rights, Kirk Douglas made more money off Cuckoo's Nest than any of the films he acted in. Look, when people are like complaining that like uh, musicians, like famous singers, like say Lady Gaga, it's like you should be donating to this. It's like, well, yeah, sure. Of course, she has more money than you do. But also she makes her money off touring. Why are you not telling the record executives to open their purse? Because they're the ones who made not all as famous. the money. You don't know their names. But you also don't know they're head. the ones who are making right. trezillions exactly. off of Gaga, who's mainly going to make her money off of like merch and touring, <laughs> which she can't do. And that's just that's such a perfect example of yeah. like as someone who has sat behind the table and been in front of the table as an actor it's like not that i've made more money in one way or the other but though you get treated very differently and it's mm. just like wow that is that is very interesting <laughs> that kirk douglas <laughs> made more money as a producer wow he also said this quote if jack was lousy in it i would have said what a mistake they made but he got an Oscar, so maybe I would have been wrong in the part. <laughs> so, you know, which is good on you, Kirk, that you were able That's to, lovely. like, it's a have... good soundbite. Exactly, exactly. So now, let's get into it. Right off the bat, Milish Foreman had his heart set on Burt Reynolds. <laughs> and Reynolds wanted to do it after meeting with Foreman, but the studio wanted a more critically acclaimed actor and chose Nicholson. Which, I mean, in terms of, like, he kind of is not to 
you know, disparage him because he would, of course, he, he gave some great performances in yes. his time and he would eventually get nominated for an Oscar for Boogie Nights. But he was, he's kind of the poor man's Nicholson in that verge of like, I'm this masculine. I wouldn't even call him the poor man's Nicholson. Okay. He's just like much more, I don't know. Oh gosh. Yeah. There's, there's not a way I'm going to put this. It's not he's just more more like slick you know I, I agree i agree that that's that's what i mean in terms of like the, it's like the more the, Nicholas not, is not, much grittier not, much more like not he wasn't an indie darling but sure. he, today like someone right. like nicholson would be doing a lot like a lot more like indie films i mean you know? you know a movie like five easy pieces today would only be an indie film absolutely or, or our version where now now we call everything an indie film even though you're like you're backed by like whatever studio you're not actually independent totally. but you're given a budget of whatever 10 million so we call you an independent right. film um so that big actors can be like please let me feed my soul and do like an actual meaty with role with a good script exactly yeah. exactly but I, I could see Burt Reynolds in this especially because I've seen some of his like stuff like yeah. like Boogie Nights I can see where he can like if he's pushed to it and you then you're like I'm not gonna let you rely on your slickness he's got that certain quality I feel like with a good director which Milos Forman clearly did a great job on this film like it could you could yield a very interesting performance mm. Um, but instead, because he was not starring in <laughs> One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, the second highest grossing film of the year and winner of the big five, along with Happen One Night Sound Slams, he was starring in At Long Last Love, a musical flop with Sybil Shepherd and Madeline Kahn, where uh, similar, I think they did this in Les Mis as well, where they just sang live on camera. And Burt Reynolds, he ain't no singer. What are you doing? What are you doing? You got to. There was you, Russell Crowe. You got to tweak. Yes, exactly. Which you got to tweak that in studio afterwards. You can't just be having them sing live. But uh, it uh, at long last love. Madeline Kahn can sing. Well, Madeline Kahn is not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about that Burt Reynolds, <laughs> <laughs> who's like fine in that best little horror house in Texas movie, which is, is like his other saw musical. It. It's pretty. I mean, it's Dolly. It's, I mean, it's I know. A I film. know the song. Have you seen Charles Durning in it? I'm not, I not. But I've seen Charles Durning in many films. Sure, but him. In that is so delightful. We it's stand worth Charles watching Durning Charles Durning pod. doing the song "The Sidestep." Just just YouTube Charles Durning sidestep, and if you're like, "Who's Charles Durning?" You'll you'll see it. You'll be like, "You'll be like, oh that guy." Um, but let's keep it going. Oh, ding ding ding! Steve McQueen was considered. You oh, are I love right. It. I love being right. <laughs> cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Um, very good. Uh, who I think would be fine. Yeah, we, we just yeah. I, your, I think Nicholson's yeah. a better choice. Oh, uh, but I do think Steve McQueen would be. Dumb, dumb John Voight lobbied for the role. I just read about how he slapped Frank Whaley on the set of um, Ray Donovan, which they caught pictures of. Try to lie your way out of that one when there's pictures of you doing it, you John dumb ass. Voight. We have yeah. some opinions that have nothing to do with his acting, but his acting isn't good he's, enough. To... He's got some opinions that have nothing to do with his acting he or sure with do. reality. So the less is said about him, the da, better. Da, da. Angelina, good on you. Cut him out. Cut the ties. Of your life. Uh, this, of course, makes sense. Marlon Brando was considered. Yes, absolutely. You want anyone who's ever played or thought about playing right. Stanley Kowalski. Which feels a little late for like 1975. I do think so. If this was made, a, like if this was made, because the book came out in 1962. If this was like, all right, let's fast track this into a movie. 1963, I think you totally. still got, you still get a good performance out of Brando. He's still going to be like, I'm, I'm gonna need uh, I'm gonna need all my lines written on uh on, I don't want to know what they are I on, just on Chief's, experience on them. Chief's shirt no I mean he, he well he can't he, he famously I just read like the trivia on the the Superman movie because he played Jor-El I guess or Kal I think he's I can't forget if he's Jor-El he's or Kal he's the father he's the father that he had on his planet he had his lines written on this baby's diaper so he could just be looking at oh my little son as he's just reading his lines off this kid's diaper oh. <laughs> as he told the director he was like no look you're, you're, uh, uh, 
you're not gonna want to get I don't know why my Marlon Brando impression sounds a little like uh Andre the Giant, um, I'm the ball I want to play in a... Um, but he's like, yeah, like, oh, you're going to want to get the first take of me is always the best. And it's only if I'm reading my lines. It's only... That'll be when it's freshest. I will say, know what? thyself, you know? No, no, no way you can get away with record doing one take of a thing and then moving on. <laughs> on the baby's <laughs> diaper. Yep. So I'm sure they would have found plenty of places on set to write his lines. But I think, I think, I mean, it was, right. you know, there was a lot right. of props. Really, like two decades earlier. 1955, Fool of the Cuckoo's Nest, Marlon Brando, hands down. Like on the water from exactly. Cuckoo's Street, Nest, you know. He, he maybe even at that time, like, is a little too, quote unquote, sensitive to do it. But like, as we know, he's like a huge explosive performer. I think he would have been very... Very interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, maybe not in the 70s. Uh, maybe no. not after playing The Godfather. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think once you've done The Godfather, I mean, even though he was like aged up for that, it's still hard to go back. Like to be like, yeah. oh, people, Murphy, 38. <laughs> like, Peter. are you, weren't you a grandfather who just like died with an orange in his mouth? Yeah, were you playing with your grandson as you just like keeled over in this field? Let's move on to, oh, oh. that sounds it's time to play a quick round of Two Trues and Some Guy. Jeff's gonna try to trick me. Jeff is gonna trick yeah. <laughs> the way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of McMurphy. One was not. And Amy Joe is to guess which is which. Your options are Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. James Kahn, mm. and Al Pacino. Mm. Gene Hackman was on my longer short list as thought. Gene Hackman, Al Pacino, Jimmy Kahn. I'm going to, oh gosh, this is hard because they were all really hot commodities at the time. So I really can see, unlike some where I'm just like, how did that happen? These, I can all see studios being like, yeah. hey, he's good at acting. He's a young, hot method. Get him in there, you know? Because um, even though they're from California, they're all from Brooklyn. We know that. I'm going to say Pacino. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. As far as I could tell, Pacino was not considered. I think Latter-day Pacino gives a performance that's more of this style than that era of Pacino, which was a bit more of a restrained. No. Dog Day Afternoon Pacino at Screaming I Attica. That's true. I suppose it's true. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Godfather. Yeah, but you know. end of Godfather. Ooh. He, I mean, like, yes, of course, at the beginning of Godfather, he's so restrained, but he like... The places that he goes yes, to. Yes, but, but I, you know, that's, I mean, that's no, very nothing true. compared to what he is today. Oh, big hua. Um, hua, indeed. Now, James Kahn, speaking of Godfather, as Sonny, that he, I could t- so see him as Nick exactly Murphy. Right. He's definitely not as b- bankable of a star as Nicholson was. It's a very was, easy but fit. I, I could totally have seen that. Instead, in 1975, he was doing Funny Lady, the sequel to Funny Girl. You, you say that like <laughs> I haven't watched it. That was also more for the listener to be like, what what's Funny Lady? Uh, and Rollerball, which is a pretty decent sci-fi uh, action movie. Rollerball. Never Ball. heard of it, truly. <laughs> Whereas Funny Lady, I would watch when I was sick in high school. Oh, there's also the sequel, uh, Roller Lady. Just <laughs> 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 kidding. And Gene Hackman is someone that's harder. I can't see him in this role. Gene Hackman was someone that I didn't put on my like short list because I was like, I feel like it would be more actor. of a stretch. Yeah. But I could see also like on the page mm. how if if we didn't have Jack Nicholson in our heads, right. Gene Hackman would be someone I'm like, get that guy in to read. He's great. Yeah, because even just thinking, I feel like this, I forget if this is before after French Connection where he won his first Oscar. It was around the same time. I want to say French Connection was like, oh, 76. Mm, I could be so wrong. Right. I, think, I think you're right. I think it's like the year after. But 
um, yeah, it's a little harder imagining him, even just the lines on the page of him just talking about, you know, talk the statutory rape of like, ah, uh, but Doc, if you could have seen her like 15 year old, like with, Ugh, let's I, not even go into exactly. the actual oh, yeah, text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Oh, even, okay. Gene Hackman doing the pretending to see the world series game. Cause she refuses, Ratchet refuses to put the TV on. Right. So instead he mimes it and all the other patients are suddenly like, all, they're all like charadesing this uh, game. I, I can I, see I, it. I, I can see it. He also like, I, I don't see know. it as more of a stretch. I, maybe it's also because, like, the Gene Hackman I'm most familiar with is, like, late 60s, early 70s Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Like, Bonnie and Clyde, I think, is his first sure. film. But that and, like, Young Frankenstein and, like, all the, you know, just, like, that's – I've just seen him do enough different things to where I'm like, yeah, I can see him, like, doing this well. But sure. I do think Nicholson is a much better choice. Totally. Totally. Uh, let's keep it going with Martini. Amy, Joe, your thoughts on that? Danny DeVito. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think he's, like – so sweet so sweet he's just so like the the amount of focus to have that like laser kind of focus and like unblinking just like hit me hit Hit me me, hit hit me me. like no 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 do do, do, do you see all these people around you they're real folks i think you gotta go to him hit me hit me okay okay yeah it's like i he i just think he he just brings so much of this performance so much heart so, so much heart oh. he's so charming and he's fantastic i no. think he's a fantastic casting choice totally i mean watching this i was like oh man if they had done lord of the rings of the hobbit in 1975 little data devito as bilbo or frodo forget about it <laughs> oh i mean those shots where it's him alongside chief alongside will samson as chief where it's like that much of a oh, even more of a incredible. height difference than normal where you're like oh Ooh. My yeah. God, it's incredible. It's like Wallace Shawn and Andre the Giant. Exactly. You know, they exactly. thought about these things. Yeah, I don't have a ton of options. One person who is the same age as Danny DeVito, who I'm like, ooh, like just think about like interesting character actors. Um, and this may seem a little wild, but again, knowing Danny DeVito now, would you think that he would be playing this part? No. <laughs> no. So I have Danny Trejo here. Because they're the same age. So he also would have been very, very young doing this. And, like, he's also someone who's just, like, brings intensity to stuff. And and intensity can shine through in a number of different ways if it's focused correctly. I I could see him a lot more as Tabor, as the Christopher Lloyd. like Or someone who's a little more of, like... Angrier. Yes. For sure. Because I think this is around the time of, like, I think his first movie, Runaway Train, with, speaking of, John Boy and Eric Roberts. He's a very small role where he's Mm. still, he's, like, a big full mustache he, st- he already has <laughs> the giant tattoos across his chest because i think he was like working as an extra and they were like you you look terrifying let's put you on camera he's like um, great exactly exactly uh interesting but you know what who knows because again i would never think if i were like looking at this on the page i would never ever think danny devito right you know yeah but he's wonderful another option and he is he's a bit younger and this i don't know how i feel about this other than like I feel like he would maybe he's maybe a bit too cynical, but that's also everything I've seen him do is Kevin Pollack. Fascinating. But it's just like I didn't have a lot of people come to mind for this because I think DeVito gives such a great performance. You know, I could see I I would also see him probably more as Cheswick, but Michael Stuhlbarg. He's, I think I, that's I a Cheswick be... or, or even, well, yes. a, uh, even a Harding, you know. And, and yeah, it, totally. This is also one of those things with an ensemble cast. 
you move one puzzle piece, yeah. it changes everything. It's you have true. to recast everybody. Yeah. Or, or, you know, you just like, there's people who it's like, you know, having having worked on um, a show that had a national tour that went out. And, and so, like, you'd be looking for a replacement for the Broadway company and the national mm-hmm. tour. There'd be people who it's like, well, we really wanted them. But they just didn't fit with this with other this lead cast. we already have. Yeah. So we had to wait yeah. until there was an opening where it's like, oh, they're going to gel well with this because they're not going to be too old or they're not going to be too this or the alchemy won't be off, you know? So it's always a very interesting kind of like puzzle. Uh, so Danny DeVito was the first actor to be cast because he is Michael Douglas's oldest friend, former roommate from back in the late 60s. Oh my gosh. And was reprising his role as Martini from a 1971 off-Broadway revival of Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, that's also just like work begets work, baby. It sure know? does. Sure does. I'm sure everyone else in this off-Broadway show is like, dang it, they brought along DeVito. I didn't get Jack. Exactly. So there's only one other actor considered, which is Robert Forrester, who I was more familiar with he just passed away last year i don't know if you know him I know as well name. um because he i mean he was in a lot of a lot of things 70s and 80s but like jackie brown was like his big resurgence got an oscar nomination out of it and he's like he pops up and he's in he's in like an episode or two of breaking bad and better call saul and uh the el camino breaking bad mo- uh, movie is like the guy that's trying to let he like he's like the guy that can like help get you out of town and like fix you up um and he's in like some of those like olympus has fallen and london has fallen movies but he was like a great character actor it's very strange knowing him as like such a i mean same as danny devito but robert forrester it's such a like gruff like no nonsense demeanor he's like just no bs really he's like you know he's like a bail bondsman and jackie brown and he's just really like well i understand that you know you might be trying to rip me off but like um i'm also kind of falling in love with you so like i understand i understand <laughs> i understand the deal i understand the deal i'll go along with this caper with you but uh i'll make some money well so it's like you know i was saying with danny devito it's like same you would never imagine so i don't know i don't know what i don't think i've seen a thing with robert forrester pre-1997 yeah so it's hard to imagine but danny devito i thought was such a standout in the film because he's like so perfectly in character yeah. where it is you get when nicholson is being driven up a wall because he's like you get it you're trying to play cards with someone who is like he's not mentally able to do that and meet you but you're getting frustrated with him and like and you know it's not his fault exactly but you still have to deal with it right he's uh... just tearing the cigarette in two to be like i'll bet a nickels like no you gotta bet a dime he's like here you go and puts them both like that's not a dime that's you can't smoke that that's nothing um but let's uh let's keep it going with candy and rose we'll talk about them together because there's only one actor that was up for these for both of these roles uh amy your thoughts on maria muse small and louisa moritz as candy rose uh respectively and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else besides uh yourself reprising your new york off off broadway role it was my new york off off broadway debut because i don't count the new york new jersey tour i did of the <laughs> scottish play playing lady m there was one night at shetler studios <laughs> And other than that, it was never seen in the city of New York. Um, yeah, I thought they were great. I mean, it is also a particular kind of like, yeah, that you're looking for a very particular type, but it's also how you style them. Sure. You know, yeah. um, this is not a, a part that you're going to like cast like a, a, a big actor in unless they're like, man, all I want to do is be in this movie. You or, know? or, you know, you randomly get the kind of actor where it's like well, they're early like, in their career. And you have Marilyn Monroe in All About Eve, you know, in a yeah. in a comic turn that is like right. so good. But also it's a small part. But it's of because course. like it's 1950, not yeah. 1955, of you know. Um, but yeah, I thought they were great. I didn't really have like a lot of thoughts because yeah. I also do think this, these are roles that are very 
castable among a number of very talented yeah. people. I think they do a great job, but it's also it's they're, they're it's such a they're such small roles. I I think they're sometimes when you have an actor come in who is so unbelievably good, they can mm. really like leave an indelible yeah. impression, and you're like, I didn't even realize that role was as small as it is. Right. And I don't feel like either of these actors did that. And that also comes down to who knows what's on the cutting room floor, you know, that, well, of, of the director being like, I don't exactly, care about their reaction. Exactly. I'd rather get Scatman Crothers' well, reaction to them and coming they're in. Also, like that all I is I, I kind of hate it because they're like two of the only women in this film yeah. to say this, but because they are interlopers, mm-hmm. the way the film is set up, we're following all the guys in this group therapy. Right. Like like their reactions are less the the women's reactions are less important because the story isn't about them. They're more like reminders of the world that exists to these people whose mm. arc we're following. So like as much as I'm like I wish there were more women in this film, right? It's also like they're they are there to help move the plot forward and they are there to provide context and to provide like a foil so these people remember what they have chosen to leave behind because so many of them are there voluntarily totally you know absolutely just because i was like well it came out the year after this in 1976 so if i had to cast someone else why not have it be penny marshall and cindy williams who would go on to be in laverne and shirley (laughs) i want to i want to see the candy and rose spinoff that is them yeah them just trying to make it we're gonna gonna make it (laughs) that's great so this is one actor who uh suggested to me little shorman for the role of candy shelly duvall <gasps> I did not expect to, to be shook by Ooh. this news. I wish she'd been cast, would have had probably a better time on this set than she did on The Shining than with the movie she would do with Nicholson. It's One day we'll true. do The Shining and we can get into oh my gosh, the this... horror she was put through. She sure was. Yeah. She also was on a lot of cocaine. But um but yes. Ooh, I did not know that. Oh, Oh, yes, well, darling. Well, uh, you know, you uh, do allegedly. what you can. Do what you can to get through the day with 800 with takes from Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. and Nicholson. But, oh. uh, yeah, I, I think either of these gals are a better fit than Shelley Duvall, who is... Yeah, I agree, but, she, is, but it's also, like, when you get, like, a weirder performer like Shelley Duvall... Totally. I do wonder, though, if having, like, very pedestrian, and I don't mean that mm. in, in, in a pejorative yeah. way, just, like, very pedestrian women of a particular type that you would expect McMurphy to be into... Yeah, I get it. Help heighten when you have, like... Makes sense. Christopher Lloyd and yeah, you've got some in, you, when you populate Vincent Chiavelli you populated you your movie Chiavelli. with some of the most interesting looking actors where it's like you know if we're like oh, dang we can't get Peter Laurie he's he, exactly so let's uh who, who's the weirdest actors that we, we can find we need the weirdest looking and acting right. people we can yeah. find you kind of need people who are more like a typical type I I think that's actually a great great point um but Foreman screened the movie Thieves Like Us with Shelley Duvall to see if she was right for the role. And uh, in it, he spotted Louise Fletcher and then cast her as Ratched. Duval later inquired about playing the role of Rose instead, but was turned down. But you know what? 1975, you know what she was in? Nashville. The other film up for Best Picture, which she's great in. Look, Shelley uh, Duvall. Exactly. I won't say she did fine because we know that things ended poorly for her. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, in this time period, ended up doing quite well. She, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you, you can't, you didn't get Cuckoo's Nest, you got one of the other ones up for Best Picture. You can't, you know, be too yeah. upset. Yeah. Um, but let's keep it going with Billy Bivett. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Brad Dourif and who would you cast if you had to cast someone? Brad Dourif in his film debut, might I add. And who would you cast if you had to cast 
kind of someone else. Sweet baby Brad Dourif, who still oh, has his eyebrows, baby. unlike in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> as worm tongue. War- worm tongue. <laughs> when he shaved them off, and then when he had to go back for reshoots, his like girlfriend or wife was like, oh no, oh, don't no. do it. And he was like, sorry, no. I've got to, you know, acting. Um, but it's so funny because these are the two films I've seen Brad Dourif in. So to yeah, so yeah, to I guess compare, that's, uh... they are night and day. You mean you mean you haven't been binging the child's play films? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I have written. <laughs> Brad was a sweet cutie! Exclamation point! Because he really was. Yeah. But also, like, looking at it now, being like, yeah, you're a young character actor. You're a weirdo who happened to have good cheekbones. You yeah. know, and and so like that's actually really great casting. For Billy, someone who is like, I'm not afraid to like, to fit in with this world. Right. You didn't just get some like pretty young boy and been like, great. I will have someone that like the younger women will want to like, ooh, who's this like new hot star? He's also giving you like a weird, he's like a, you know, a disturbed young man. Yeah. Which, which comes across in the film in a really, um, I think, compassionate and beautiful way. My first choice, and he's too old for it by this time, but my first choice for like not for a more vintage casting is anthony perkins not just yeah. because of the mother narrative but because like he does that like sensitive he's got the cheekbones he's got the eyes no. psycho of course you're referring to his mother <laughs> well yes. there are some people that will be like oh norman bates yes but if you say anthony perkins they might not necessarily know well friends we're not as well versed as you well and anyway anthony perkins yeah wonderful. i see that great um so great that's casting. that's that choice from one of my more contemporary ones i'm gonna go with people one of whom i've never seen in a film <laughs> so much so that i don't actually know how to say this oh boy name Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I think that's uh, I I don't, I don't know, actually actually I don't know if it's Timothy Chalamet and you just had to spell. I think it's just I've, spelled differently. I think it's just I Timothy. I have heard Timothy. I've heard Timothy, but I also don't know Timothee. which podcasters um, are being disingenuous. That is great casting. That is though. my contemporary that's choice. So smart. That yeah. is, and and I've seen him in yeah. clips. Call me by your name, exactly. Lady Bird. Similar but different is Lucas Hedges for someone yeah. else who's like a sensitive young yeah. man. Um. Then slightly more vintage casting, speaking of Lord of the Rings, is Elijah Wood. Sure. Like, he's way too old for it now. Right, But, right, like, right. I think Elijah Wood would have acted the crap out of this yeah, at, the, at a certain point in his life. Yeah, the 2000 version of uh, it. Yeah, and, and, yeah sure. I think he would be great. But yeah. uh, but I think great job, Brad Dourif. Um, Absolutely. He got, he got an Oscar nomination, right? He sure did. Yeah. For his debut. There's only one as of yet, but probably... Unless, unless it's he hard really to make that gets... indelible of an impression, yeah, you know. Well, you know, then, then you know you'll get like this. You'll get the other. I mean, so many of like the supporting nominations. I feel like go to either someone where it's like, what Lupita, where it's like, oh, it's your first movie, it's, or or it's like someone you've like been Alan for a million years. Or Arkin it's and e. Little Grant. Miss Sunshine, or Richard E. Grant. Exactly, someone who's you've either it's either when you're fresh at the gate or when you've been around for so long that we're like, okay, let's uh, you know, Brad yeah. Dorf, you you finally got like another meaty role. You got like, so here you go. Um, the people that I thought of. Uh, because I thought he looked so much like Brad Dorf in this. Maybe I'm crazy. Jamie Bell actually came to oh, mind. Oh, little belly Elliot, but uh, a little belly. Be- I want to be a ballet dancer. Um, but yeah, I I I think he. I, that's I think why I thought of Elijah Wood really and a couple good. other people of course, who are like of child actors who transitioned into being older because you want someone who's like 20. You know, right. of course, of course, of course. Um, I could have also seen. I mean, same like younger, but like Rami Malek. I think also would have been mm. like given mm. a really beautiful performance and. Uh, I, I mentioned him several times before, but Lakeith Stanfield, because specifically I'd remembered him in this movie, Short Term 12, where he plays 
one of the kids in this foster care facility with uh, these at-risk teens um, that he is fantastic and oh. so i know most people know him from like knives out and get, get out. out and atlanta um but i mean he's you know he's been around i just learned because i looked looked it up that film and um because it was a short film in like 2008 and then a feature film in like 2013 and he's the only actor that went from the short into the feature and the director had to track him down because he had quit acting and oh. like his number was no longer listed because he'd like <gasps> given up and then he wound up being in short-term uh, 12 which he's so 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 beautiful in uh and then of course that led to xyz right. and now he's like popping up all over everywhere the place. He's exactly so, great. so so good so so mm. good uh, but i can see a young lucky but none of these people were up for billy Bibbit. instead we had right off the bat bud court coming off oh, of harold oh, and maud of, of course, course typecasting and he turned it down because he did not want to be typecast i think that's fair I also agree. i think I really love Bud Court and Harold and Maude is is yeah. a fantastic film and what a performance. But I do think that like uh, we we got a lot out of seeing Brad Dorf play this. Absolutely, totally agree. And <laughs> having played an orderly in the stage production, which not listed on Broadway, so I'm going to assume in that off Broadway production with Devito because he's not listed in the Broadway cast, uh, unless Broadway might have had like uncredited like possible at extra time. set movers. Um, was of course Michael Douglas who wanted to play Billy Bibbit, and then I'm sure everyone else is like, he did. "No, no, man, no, no." He actually would have, at a certain point in his life, made a good McMurphy. I actually, I agree. He, he I would really. 1985. Yes, so ten years, exactly. ten years later, Michael Douglas. Sure. Yeah. 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 But but we don't need that Billy Bibbit. No. I read too much uh, danger and exploitation. Oh, for <laughs> perfect for McMurphy. <laughs> exactly. Perfect for Basic Instinct. And Wall Street. And Fatal Attraction. <laughs> and every other Disclosure erotic matter. thriller that he did. All of was them. he in Body Heat? Um, no, that was well, William he Hurt. Been. That was mustachioed William Hurt. Well, it's uh, potato <laughs> potato. Oh, but actually, William who else was? Hurt. No, 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 no. Who has a supporting role in Body Heat? Mickey Rourke. Young oh, Mickey Rourke, oh. 1990 Mickey Rourke in One Flew of Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie yeah yeah i'm into that i like it <laughs> you like it so much you turn into a little goblin sorry i don't know what happened <laughs> um <laughs> and let's finally our final uh character with other actors up for them uh nurse ratchet mm. amy joe your thoughts on louise fletcher and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else louise fletcher gives one of those performances that partially because she's i mean i've seen her in other things but this is the the main thing anyone this has is seen the her only in. thing i've seen her in i've seen her in like one or two smaller roles in like i want to say the early 90s i forget exactly i think i've seen five minutes of her on on hbo of her in a flowers in the attic where i was like this seems weird i don't Ooh, i don't like this i tell you I what like this. i read that book <laughs> recently because i was recently. well i was working in boston and on my walk from the tea to the house i was staying in there was a little free library so i would like mm. take books drop books off and i found that there and i was like cool i've heard of this <laughs> and then i read it i was like oh no uh, oh no anyway yes i think she was like the grandmother in that yes distressing I'm sure right. yeah. but it makes sense anyway i think she's wonderful i think she does so much with like she because it's it's just begins as a performance about like well we're just going to maintain control we're just going to do it and then like seeing that harden over time as this interaction goes forward and just like her when it cuts back to her in some of those group scenes when it's like a more placid expression versus when it's like I hate you so much. 
which yeah. is so good and so subtly calibrated. I mean, it's such a subtle performance. It's actually kind of shocking that it won because it's not a big grandstandy performance in the way that the Oscars tend to um, acknowledge. It's honestly very similar to one of the other two films that won those big five silence of the lambs where jodie foster does not have the showy role yes, people yes. told her not to take that role in silence of the lambs because it's like hannibal lecter is the showy role no one will remember yeah. you but even at least jodie foster were following her and she's true. already a very famous actor also true so we are going to follow her in a different way because we understand like oh i like jodie foster i've seen her in blah, 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 blah. as louise fletcher you're like i love jodie foster and blah, 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 blah. yeah you know she was incandescent um but anyway i think she's wonderful it's a hard job to do something like that and not just fully, you know, totally. do that. And I think she does like such a good so job. Easy. It's so human. So easy to make this like a real like mustache twirling. So easy. Just like you I would fall into that me. trap in a moment. Like I, this would actually be a good role for me to work on because I'd really have to work hard mm. on like restraint, which is not my favorite. I'm not known for it in the business, um, as you can tell by my accent choices. I want to hear your thoughts for other options, but you sang of like the restraint, my mind flashed to I hadn't even thought of, a little younger than even at that time, but of the restraint that she shows as Dolores Umbridge, Amelda Staunton oh, as Ratched. I love that idea. I mean, Dolores Umbridge is kind of like, a, is, a, is the fantasy yes. magical... You're so right. version of Cuckoo's Nest. Imelda Staunton is one of our finest actors working today. I will say most of the people I have for Ratchet are British. <laughs> I think partially because they're they're less grandstandy on the whole, you know, uh, as actors. Um, yeah, let me get into it. I, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. I do think Sarah Paulson is a beautiful choice for Ratchet. I mm. just think that the script based on the trailer looks like she's doing ugh, it's just all looks unfortunate to me but i do think sarah paulson is actually great casting sure. and in a in a remake of the film man i would sign me up um then let me name all the brits in quick succession that i have Hits. vanessa redgrave of course eileen atkins love it harriet walter ah oh, yes lindsey duncan oh yeah, yeah and yeah. then i have a few Especially, not- I, I thought of her when i was like michael keaton as uh as McMurphy, because she's the critic in oh, uh, right. Birdman, where he's just yelling at her at the bar and throwing glasses, oh. and she just looks at him like, "Uh huh." Like, at are you done? Th- are you done throwing your tantrum? I used to go to the rum house with my friend Melissa all the time, no. and then like, so when it came up in Birdman, I was like, <laughs> "That's not on Forty Fifth Street, but I love that place." <laughs> um, uh, okay, then non-British options, uh, and these are none of these would be time period appropriate. Great, Francis McDormand. Love it. Like I thought, I thought of her when I was like Sam Rockwell. I was like, oh, because yes, they yes, butt heads in three billboards. Um, younger Viola Davis. Yes, I mean, yes, yes, yes. Give yes. me that, just please, well, just give me, give me Octavia Spencer because I, I that totally. movie I recommended a few weeks ago, Loose, where she's like really butting heads with this student, where it's like, no, I know that you are like. A, that you're dangerous i know that like i found fireworks in your locker like i'm i'm cracking down on this and no one believes her and you see her like going slowly insane mm. and that kind of like i am in control here and it feels like i'm not and that is and i can't st- and i can't stand and I can't it stand it um her first shot the first shot of louise fletcher when she entered for whatever reason it reminded me similar to like some of nicholson's ticks in this movie reminded me of keaton the first shot of her looked to me like emily watson Total. Who oh, I think yes. could be a great, 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 great ratchet. I feel like she's she's played nurses. She's played Probably. maids for sure. So I'm sure. I'm seeing her in a penny in Gosford Park. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, her in Gosford Park. Yeah. Her in yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she'd be great. And of course, Kate Blanchett. I was like, it's just that <gasps> who can do that severity where you like you see everything's behind the eyes, you see like the humanity, and you see her have to like shut that down in order to do her job. Yes. At at the what cost? Um, she'd be great. So uh, let's chat about Louise Fletcher. So as she said, she had an 11 year layoff from acting, having a wonderful time being a mother and housewife. But I ended up in Thieves Like Us, a Robert Altman film. When Milos watched it, he asked who I was. It took four or five meetings over a year to convince him to let me play Nurse Ratched because he kept being like, it's good. It's not quite it and would send her on her way. And the day after Christmas, her agent called to say she was expected at the Oregon State Hospital in Salem on January 4th to begin rehearsals. <gasps> we know you have children, but um, <laughs> get out here. Exactly. We're going to get you an Merry Oscar. Christmas. You've got a week to get your butt here. Um, she, Louise Fletcher was so disturbed by her own performance that she couldn't watch the film for years. Oh. And in later interviews, Fletcher said that she found ways to make her character human, yet remain unsympathetic, ultimately deciding that Nurse Ratched actually did care about the patients and felt she was doing what was best for them, but was ultimately misguided and drunk on her own power. Which I think, I think that totally, plays totally comes across and is like why she got that Oscar because Absolutely. she's not it's, you see all of the, the reasoning behind it what makes her a, a human instead of just a caricature um, she's like well I'm really trying to solve Billy's problem yeah. Cheswick's like but but it, I don't think that, she's like now I'm the therapist mm. uh, you're not the therapist I don't know if she is a therapist she's the nurse you know but like that comes across so strongly absolutely um, I loved this quote from her towards the end I was sick of all the constrictions to do with playing Nurse Ratched right down to her tight clothes I'd stopped socializing with the cast because it wasn't good for the role they were having a lot of fun every night and I was jealous I thought what can I get them as a goodbye present so one lunchtime, I asked the photographer to meet me in the ward. In one scene, which later got cut, McMurphy comes to breakfast wearing nothing but a pair of silky black boxer shorts with a whale embroidered on them. I put those on with nothing on top, then pulled on my nurse's shoes and hat and reenacted that Betty Grable wartime poster looking over my shoulder. I gave them all a print and signed it Mildred. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's also great because you're like, I have a sense of humor. I promise I want to hang. I want to be one of the group, but I can't. But how can I show that I have a sense? Of... I know. <laughs> she even gave a phonograph picture to me when I was hiding out as Scandy Patinkin on set. No one recognized me and I still have it framed whenever I'm on Broadway. I put it in my dressing room and it gives me inspiration. Inspiration. <laughs> Also, Louise Fletcher made Oscar history by signing part of her acceptance speech to her parents who are both deaf. Oh, that's right. I did I did know that her parents are both deaf. Oh, well, An aunt taught her to speak, I think. Oh wow. Because obviously her that parents are, are both deaf, so she, you know, yeah. you you learn to sign. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. But of course. I mean, duh. But that was like the first apparently the first time that someone accept, accepting an Oscar had used had sign used, language. Had used sign language. Um, so she didn't realize that the role of Nurse Ratched was a hotly contested role amongst all of the leading actresses of the day until the reporter visiting the set happened to <sighs> casually mention it, <laughs> which is good. If you're like, you know, if you knew that going into all these auditions over a year, it's yeah, like, yeah, you'd be, there'd be a lot of pressure or you're like, well, I'm not going to get this. So whatever, I'm just going to do my thing and have fun. Cause there's no way they're going to go with me. I've yeah. been out of the biz for 11 years. Um, but let's get into some of those actors. Tell me about it. And Bancroft turned it down. She, she would have been great. Yeah. I also say this. Uh, Michael Douglas said, 
you have to remember at that time, it was not politically correct for women to play villains. It was the beginning of the women's movement. Yeah. So I think it was also sometimes a little, it might have been for women to be like, well, I don't want to be this villain. I don't want to be like the, the, the bad guy in I this mean, movie. She's, she's fully been in the miracle worker at this point. She's like, you know, I've played Annie Sullivan. You know, Mrs. Robinson is like as close to a villain as maybe like she was comfortable getting. But it's so wild because Anne Bancroft is such like an actor. True. I think she'd been great. It might have been just at this time. It could have been anything else. Who knows? Totally. Uh, you have any number of obligations or other films. But as or far as why things, a number of women turned it down. This is true. Uh, including Lily Tomlin. What? I know. But originally... Lily Tomlin was going to play Nurse Ratched, and Louise Fletcher was supposed to play Tomlin's role in Nashville. And the two wound up switching roles. Don't know how, don't know why. That's all I find online. line. So they wound up switching. It worked out well for both of them. Totally. Because Louise won the Oscar, and Lily Tomlin got her, so far, one and only Oscar nomination for Nashville, who mm-hmm. she's so good, so good in Nashville. Yeah. yeah, because I mainly know her, like, she's not, like, as comedic in Nashville as she is in, like, most of the things I know her as, but I still mainly know her as a comedic, a lighter act, totally. a lighter actress than Nurse Ratched. Um, but I don't know if it's like you take, you know, the comedian, the, what, when I Robin Williams was yeah. like dark, it plumbed those darker roles of like what you would get out of that. So I'm very interested by it, but Absolutely. it is hard to see. I, I, you know what? I can see it more readily than some of the other options that we've had on this podcast for certain oh, roles sure. you know of I'm course like, of course i can see it you mean you, you can know? see lily tomlin more as ratchet than you could see arnold as beetlejuice now that's a toughie it's a real <laughs> tough call but i'm gonna go <laughs> yeah uh jane fonda was considered interesting which i get i get it i see it i i see it i i think louise fletcher is a much better choice sure of course i mean that's the thing louise fletcher is just so yeah good in this film such an iconic performance ellen burston turned it down mm. and she what a run because she was coming off of she had the exorcist in 1973 yep. which i think she was nominated for best actress and then won best actress in 1974 for alice doesn't live here anymore the scorsese movie and then this would have been 75 could she have pulled that old tom hanks twofer and won two oscars year, Maybe. year I, after year. i can totally see it you know i can i can yeah. also see why she was Considered, she's someone who brings a lot of intensity to everything. Yeah. Um. Which, if you just channel that and bury it, works great for totally. something like this. Absolutely. Uh, Colleen Dewhurst turned it down. <gasps> I, I know. Colleen. I know you do. Which, I mean, some some people, listeners at home, might know her. She was in Anne of Green Gables, The Dead Zone. Uh, in 1975, she was recreating her Tony-winning role of Josie in the film adaptation of Eugene O'Neill's A Moon for the Misbegotten with Jason Robards. And I'm so thankful I'm getting teary as I'm thinking about it right now because it means oh. I get to see that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tall, she might not have been able to do that. As a tall person myself, who is very, like, Josie's a role that's very near and dear to my heart and I've worked my guts out on over the years. But, like, she's, like, the quintessential Josie. She she is, like, considered to be, like, the best Josie that ever has Josie, you know? <laughs> and it's to get to see that performance and just her ease and largesse yeah. and, and sensitivity and everything. I'm just, like, so thankful for it. So, like, I'm actually not mad that we didn't get a Colleen Dewhurst ratchet if it means we got her to see her, if her totally. Josie got preserved on film. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, Faye Dunaway was offered the role. And once again, what a run. 1974, of course, Chinatown. In 1975, instead of Cuckoo's Nest, she did uh, Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford. And then 1976 was Network, where she won the wow. Oscar. 
She's excellent. Uh, I think Faye Dunaway is an excellent actor, particularly at this point in time before she dipped fully into camp. But I do... Fully into Mummy Dearest? Oh my gosh. Jeff hadn't seen it. We watched <laughs> oh, it for the first time a few, a few days ago. And he was shocked, stunned. What a film. What a film. And I was thrilled to be there to witness it. Um, I will say, I do think she, like myself, and I fully call myself out, has a little more difficulty with um not nuance because she can be very nuanced in a performance but with with reining it in shall we say sure yeah which is one of the things i think obviously is most successful about louise fletcher absolutely absolutely that is all just right there under the surface which is not something i would say with fade in a way this is an interesting choice audrey hepburn was offered the role no and now this is this and is i a- love the hep sure. This is the end of a, a her nine year break from acting, so maybe they're also just considering people that had stepped away for around I mean, a decade. It would definitely be the kind of thing where you would you would get a lot of publicity bringing Hepburn back to the screen in a role like this. It'd be the kind of thing yeah. like, oh my gosh, can you believe you've got Audrey Hepburn to play like this? But it's very, I love Audrey Hepburn. I do think she's a wonderful actor, but I don't think yeah. she is the most versatile. And I think this would have been maybe a bit of a stretch for her. I agree. Geraldine Page turned it down. Oh. Yeah. One of our finest stage actors. I know. I re- well, I've, I realized I'm not as familiar with her film work because she's also in the movie of Sweet Bird of Youth and like yeah. so so many acclaimed she's films. She's done a lot of films. But yeah. they're just films that I just happen to like not see. So I'm not mm-hmm. as familiar with her, but I know she's held she's in fantastic. super high regard. And yeah, exactly. It's very critically acclaimed. So I'm, I'm sure she would have given would a good. tremendous performance. Yeah. We got two more left. Both of these I find very interesting. This one. Love this option. Shirley MacLaine was offered the role. Now, I thought about her because she's the same age. She just tends to play... She she trades on her like more quirky kind of cute qualities a lot. Not that she is uh, incapable of, of not using right. them, but particularly at this point in time, you know, she's she's still mm, maximizing that. I, I, I'm not, None of this is coming out in a way that sounds uh, inoffensive, and I don't mean it offensively. I, I, I get, just mean I like, get what you're saying. she's much more, she has a lot of a bubbly quality that she uses to tremendous effect in a lot of her roles. So I'm, I thought, I was like, oh, well, she's a very good actor. I don't know if, if that would work I, here. I would say even more heightened than bubbly, thinking of her in things like as Weezer and Steel Magnolias. Or well, the I'm reason why I like her in this is because I just saw for the first time recently Terms of Endearment, where she's bossing Jack Nicholson mm-hmm, around. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and she's very, even though it is like a comedy until it's not, so she is giving more, some heightened reactions. You still see, you see like that, like you, this man is driving me crazy, huh. but because of, I'm a good neighbor and because of like XYZ, like I'm going to I'm like I'm gonna invite him sure. to lunch yeah. and I'm going to be very like as placid and as like uh, uh genial and cordial until it's like you like you are the worst man. You are driving me crazy and then they start like sleeping together. Interesting. <laughs> See, I've not seen Terms of Endearment. So that's that's good. me, most of my like films of Shirley McLean's that I've seen multiple times are like early to late 60s which is a little bit before this so i know like that the apartment that does, and the apartment sweet yeah. charity uh, uh the trouble with harry um there's a couple others that i'm missing but like these, this is very like yeah shirley mcclain well obviously you couldn't have her and warren Beatty. you did hear that she was originally cast in bonnie and clyde it was supposed to be her but then when warren Beatty decided <sighs> he wanted to play that part obviously because they're brother and sister right um it was like well sorry shirley he's a bigger star <laughs> We're going to get Faye Dunaway wow. instead. Doesn't that blow? Wow. <laughs> that stinks. That's going to make Thanksgiving dinner pretty awkward. Real rough. Thanks, bro. Uh, and finally, Angela Lansbury You're turned it me. down. <gasps> but Ange, I can see actually because she had just done Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. That this is. Playing very much against type. But 
but she's so incredible in that. Mm. And this is also more closer to that, more in that yeah. vein. You yeah. know, oh, she'd be great. Ah, <laughs> oh. yeah. It, it's such a more. I mean, similar with Manchuria into Canada. It's a it's a far, very left field choice for Ange Lands and. I, I mean, at the end of the day, this movie is one of the most acclaimed films ever totally. made. I, I think Louise Fletcher is perfect. There's a reason yes. she got the Oscar. Uh, but I do think there were some great fits, picks in here. I and do, if she didn't have been cast, I think there's yeah. a few that could I have do done also it. think Angela Lansbury uh, in the 70s was making fe- Like, she also, like, on stage had played villains and stuff. Sure. Like, we, they, we, there are things that are not just murder she wrote and, and Mrs. Right. Potts that are, have a darker note to them that she definitely did a lot of. And even in like death on the Nile, she's playing a comedic take on something, but it's yeah. still like this, like alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So, like, like she's definitely like, not always just like, well, right, I'll, right, right. no, thank you. I'll just have tea uh, <laughs> and solve a murder. You know, um, well, that's interesting to me. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so those are all the characters that I found other casting options for. So before we move on, we're going to do a quick segment of a Passing Chemistry. We're just going to look at McMurphy and Ratched because they're the ones with the most actors up right. for them. So if we couldn't have had Jack Nicholson or Louise Fletcher, which two actors who were considered would you have liked to have seen? My picks, I would go with Burt Reynolds and Shirley MacLaine. Um, I think wow. it, it would be balanced more towards Ratched, um, because Shirley MacLaine is a better actor than uh, Burt Reynolds. Mm. Um, but I, I don't think it would be as good of a film, but that's the one that I could see uh, the most. Okay. I'm going to go with a very different film. <sighs> I'm going to go with Brando as McMurphy mm. and Anne Bancroft as Ratched. Love it. The, I mean, we got Hollywood royalty. Why not roll out the red carpet, baby? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, now, there are a few characters we didn't mention, so I want to briefly touch on them, starting with Oregon State Hospital's director, Dean Brooks, was very supportive of the filming and eventually ended up being cast as the character of Dr. John Spivy he in the did. film. Yeah, His only film role. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I, and the I, actual doctor. I wrote about him because I thought, like, he did such a good job of for lack of a better way of putting it, playing like good cop, you mm. know, especially in that first scene with McMurphy, like kind of smiling and nodding when you can see him like clocking, like that's a little distressing. Yeah. But... I, I love that one. That really feels like an improv from Nicholson. Nicholson, like it looks like he just like kills a fly when he's just like against the table. Mm. And the doctor just looks at and he's like, um, mm, hmm. uh-huh. and then continues. He's wonderful. Uh, which made me laugh. Cause I was like, that's I... a perfectly genuine reaction. He's so great. And he leads those group scenes where there's the other doctor. So, oh, that is delicious. Yeah. So I he, he identified, a, he's the one that identified a patient for each of the actors to shadow. And he also wanted to incorporate his patients into the crew to which the producers agreed. And he secured jobs for 89 patients oh at gosh, the hospital fantastic. that all wound up either being extras or assistants. But Michael Douglas recalled that it was not until much later that he found out that several of them were criminally insane. For example, they had an arsonist working in the art department. <gasps> oh, Mr. Douglas, I uh, I got some great ideas for set decoration. What if uh, this, this wall here, just on fire, constantly on fire. Just flammable as can be. I am happy to help keep the flame burning. Stoking, stoking away. <laughs> um, William Redfield as Harding 
that I thought was interesting because it was like the opening credits are just Jack Nicholson, Louise Fletcher, and William Redfield. And then everyone else at the end because he was in things like Death Wish and Fantastic Voyage, but it Mm. was interesting. But then it's like, you know, so many of them, it was their first first movie. movie. They just were unknowns. He, to me, looked so much like someone who could play Tennessee Williams at a certain age in a movie. Like, both in demeanor and just kind of like the, the like, look. It was Mm. like kind of like a early middle-aged Williams. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I totally see that. Now, I was wondering, like, oh, how come, like, is there anything else later that I would have seen him in? And there's not, because tragically, he passed away after this, recently after the film. During filming, Dr. Brooks diagnosed him with leukemia and <gasps> gave him he gave him 18 months to live, and he died almost exactly 18 months later. No. Yeah. Whoa. I know, because this was before the days of bone marrow transplants, so... Ooh. He didn't, there weren't really as many options, but I was like, oh, that's why I haven't heard of him. Good, what a, there's there's certain, I mean, it's, you know, always tragic when someone like dies way too young, but like there's an actor who's in this movie with Jean Harlow called Platinum Blonde and she died way too young. She died at 26, but she at least like headlined a number of films before that. But this guy, oh, I'm going to have to look up his name, but he, um. This is like his first leading role, and he's so charming. They're dynamite together, and he then died like right after. So it's like this is the oh. one film we have of this guy yeah. who was just like, I wanted to see so much more. Yeah. I mean, look at James Dean. Oh, like I thought. I thought of him as like a, a, a possible oh, Billy? Billy. Oh, love it! That'd a be very great. young James. Sure, Dean. he got to a certain age, and there's a certain you can't really strip away the like sex icon uh from him but like mm. very east of eden yeah. james dean yeah like yeah just i mean cheekbones for yeah that, that that 1950s version of cuckoo's nest with brando as mcmurphy yeah. and uh I'm all about and it. james dean is old billy bibbit i see it i see it and then yeah i don't have too much about these guys but let's just quickly run through them because you can't not mention we've talked about them a lot christopher lloyd his film debut is tabor he's tremendous so good so good you just like your eye is so drawn to him because he's Absolutely. just so invested yeah he's so present yeah they're kind of a double act you have vincent chevalli as frederickson and william duel as seffelt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um who are both i thought worked really well together yeah so great yeah Apparently, IMDb is telling me some guy named Delos V. Smith Jr. was Scanlan, but we all know it was, it was Scandy Patinkin oh, in disguise behind that great big bushy beard. Wait, I really for a guy who has maybe two lines the entire film. Like, what an impression. Day 32. No one has suspected I'm really Scandy Patinkin. Ha <laughs> 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 uh, Joseph Ellick as Bancini, who's like the one that's just like, I'm, yeah. sick, I'm tired, I'm like, tired. Like uh, Richard Kind's uh, uncle. Oh, that's, yeah. I, yeah. He's so Richard Kind. like a precursor to Richard oh, Kind. Richard Kind also would have been a great Cheswick. Oh, well, he'd been great all over this Oh, this picture. is true. This is true. Uh, and Scatman Crothers as Turkle, who... So Nailed good. it. So good. So fun. Comes yeah. in, crushes. Yeah, he just can't catch a break with Jack Nicholson. Between this and The Shining. It's either he's, he's either... Either Nicholson is causing him to lose his job, or he's whacking him in the chest with an axe. Those yeah. are your options if yeah, you're yeah, hanging out with yeah, Nicholson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we've talked about him a bit, but Cheswick, played by actor Sidney Lassick. So who good. So good. He was in things... He was in Carrie. He was in yes. things like Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead, Man on the moon um he's been a lot and like i I mentioned michael stuhlberg i could also see like michael jeter i could have seen him in this part also 
um very similar of like that character actor who's like very just like yeah just sweet your just heart like your heart just like uh, the number of times we turn to one another while watching this movie when chess would say something would say something be like oh truly like i haven't seen this movie in probably like 15 years mm-hmm. but what i remembered most was just his voice in my head going martini martini oh, i, I want to play i want to play, play. Now, apparently in the book cheswick commits suicide he sure does he drowns himself in the pool because he feels he can never get away from ratchet's control which is interesting where like in the book you've got mcmurphy was like is no statutory rape it's like a you know the still um assault, assault but gambling and then you're also having some of the patients like are committing suicide where you're really underlining like ratchet is causing these people not just to not get better but yeah. to literally kill themselves because they feel they can never get better because of her right which i like that the movie is a little more even-handed yeah with that and a little yeah. more realistic than just being so and especially so we, we don't need that and, and it end, still works it still works and it also gives more punch to the end when billy kills himself because you haven't it's you don't need like no no. Whatever, a setup for that. So, uh, Sidney Lassick got the role of Cheswick in part because he wore a rope as a belt to the audition, which I think is a wonderful touch. But he was one, I mean, because Milos wanted people in character on set all the time, and he, the cast and crew were concerned about Lassick's behavior. He exhibited increasingly unpredictable and emotionally erratic behavior during his time in character, a pattern that culminated in a tearful outburst during his observation of the final scene between McMurphy and the chief, where chief smothers him. Mm-hmm. And Lassick became so overwhelmed during the scene that he had to be removed from set. This is why I don't think it's a good idea to do that because especially when you're playing people who have some things going on in their head that need to be dealt with. Yeah. It's when you are acting, you are tricking your body into thinking you are experiencing things that you're not. And if you're having to do that over an extended period of time, I think it is dangerous. I agree. I agree. What a performance. It's true. Just. It is true. I can't believe he wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Like, it's so, like, my heart yeah. just, like, is with him, this whole movie. Uh, and finally, of course, Will Sampson as Chief Bromden. So good. Yeah. Also, his film debut, uh, he would go on. He he was in a, he passed away several decades ago now, but he was in a few th- more things, including Outlaw Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood, Poltergeist 2. Uh, so he continued uh-huh. acting, but this, he was a park ranger in Oregon near where the movie was filmed and was of course selected for the part because he was the only Native American the casting department could find who matched the character's incredible size. Right, I think they had a lot of trouble finding yeah. like a really tall guy. Yeah. So Mel Lambert, who played the harbor master. So when they steal that boat, he's oh, yeah. the guy that's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's not he, this boat. Also not an actor, but a local car salesman who got the part because he happened to be sitting next to Michael Douglas on a plane. Mel's father, him and his father, they sold, they were like car salesmen. So his father sold, often sold cars to Native Americans in the area. And he had a strong relationship with the community. And he suggested Samson. Oh. But like, what are the odds where you're on the plane and being like, whatever. Oh, I recognize you from uh, the streets of San Francisco. Hi, you're an actor, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, what are you doing? Oh, I'm producing a movie. And like, we're looking for you're like, oh, wow, how's that going? Oh, it's okay. We're looking for a giant Native American. He's like, I happen to actually I know happen some to folks. have a 
a car to sell you and be an actor for you. <laughs> you're going to need a car while you're all here in Oregon. You're yeah. not staying at no mental hospital. Right. Um, but he's also, he's so good. He's so good. He's, and I definitely appreciate what he's doing much more now than what I mm. saw before, because also I hadn't acted on camera. Um, really when I think I was seeing this movie in high school, it's just like, he's so understated, but so full, so full. Absolutely. Every, he makes the tiniest gesture of a smile with his mouth. And it's like yeah. your heart, just shines you know you're like oh chief you know i also love and this is this is not done to him but but the um like costume department the way that like when they're out playing um basketball in the first time they're playing it his his coat's closed and there's a shot where he's looking down at the chief and you're like because he's he's like on the the guy's shoulders you're like oh that jacket doesn't fit him. It's way too small. You know, and even things like McMurphy not wearing the scrubs over his clothes until the day that he's like trying to play ratchet until like, now how do we get to play a ball game? I was like, oh, he's not wearing that till he's like, I'll assimilate if that'll help me out here. Like, where where does that fall? Because in the the first like two weeks or even month, it's like, he's only, it's only observation. So I think that's also why he's in his normal clothes. But he's, he's sitting there in the same seat, you know, but to me, it also was like indicating that it's like a fine, then I'll do this. If this is going to be, what's going to, help me seem more like a docile patient who's paying attention but it's just like that kind of attention to detail yeah and, and then like yeah they're like they they don't have clothes for a guy this big so he has to be in a coat that's too small yeah. like it was just the attention to detail is so evident yeah but i mean that ending oh. really nails it and really you know sticks the landing or whatever you want to say yeah. but because of him because like he because he has to sell all of that you know him when he's just like i i can't lift that thing mcmurphy like you're you're, you're bigger than me i'm just like of, with really that one beautiful. line of like what that tells you and his monologue that i thought he delivered beautifully talking about his father of like his father you know used to drink and it was like oh that killed him like no that like that it, it, like it worked on him the same way they were working on you yeah um oh. just him like laying in bed i thought it was so good it was great so good so good um all right let's get into final thoughts anything else we haven't touched on any other i mean i think we've touched on pretty much every character in some form or another i've said all i need to say (laughs) well then i will say this during filming a crew member running cables left a second story window open at the oregon state mental hospital and one of the patients climbed through the bars and fell to the ground injuring himself the next day the statesman journal in salem oregon reported the incident with the headline one flew out of the cuckoo's nest oh well yeah you would wouldn't you and he did. Amy Joe, Jeffrey. What are you recommending this week? So this is hardly an underground type thing. I'm going to recommend something that is going to be very familiar. But in these trying times, you and I have been re-watching and working our way through Key and Peele. Yes, and I have to say, I've never done a full watch of the series. I've just like watched sketches. And it's so delightful. They're so funny and charming together. And... I just can't recommend enough just being like, yeah. if you need something that is going to make you laugh on the whole, like they're going to do it. I'm sorry. I'd seen a few episodes, but I mainly just, it's always the sketches that like pop up on YouTube right. that I've seen it. The ones that everyone have seen of the valets and of like the, the NFL draft yes. picks and the substitute teacher, like a Rom, like all, all of that, which is are also great, but there's also so many more sketches and like, it's all on Hulu right now. If you got Hulu, just- you know, start totally, totally. and start plowing through because it, it really is just like very 
joyful. And uh, I think we could all use a little laughter. I agree. Jeffrey. Amy Cho. What are you recommending? So glad you asked. I'm going to recommend the film Short Term 12, which I talked about briefly earlier with Keith Stanfield. Uh, it is a beautiful film from 2013, currently on Amazon Prime. It's about a young counselor at a foster care facility for at-risk teenagers. And it is a who's who of future stars. Because mm. right, your, 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 main, your main star right there, Brie Larson, two years away from winning that Oscar. A uh, little actor named Rami Malek. You got John Gallagher Jr. You got Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Stephanie Beatriz, plays Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, as I said. And Caitlin Deaver of Booksmart and Unbelievable is like the new kid that like comes. comes. She must have been like truly a child. I mean, pretty much. But I forgot she was also in, because I saw recently The Spectacular Now that she's oh, also what? in. And that was like 2010, where she's yeah. like, I mean, she's been acting. She's well, in, she's, she's in yeah. the second season of Justified that she's incredible in that I just didn't realize until book smart that i was like oh i've been seeing this actor in so many things and there she is an incredible incredible so actor and she's really good in short term short term 12 where she shows up and it like it kicks things up for b larson of like it kicks up like old past trauma and she, as she's trying to help this like the new the new girl mm. um it's a really beautiful film and like i said i mean that is a killer uh, slate they cast it quite well uh, they sure did and it is also from director destin daniel cretton who also did uh just mercy the movie that came out last year with michael b jordan and jamie fox and brie larson again uh mm-hmm. that he's that has gotten a lot of play which i've not seen just mercy i know it's, it's supposed to be pretty good um but if you've seen that or or not and still and be like oh what else has this director done check out short term 12 and that is what we're recommending this week da 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 do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. You can also find us on Instagram at andalmoststarring. And Facebook at andalmoststarring. You could also give us, I don't know, a nice old review, some five stars, kind of one, two, three, four, five. Just pop on down to iTunes, give that five pop star on review. iTunes, say, ye- I had a yeehaw good time listening to this pod. Say, yeehaw, had a good time listening to this pod. Scandy Patinkin. Scandy Patinkin. Hashtag Scandy Forever. <laughs> Hashtag Scandy Forever. Living that Scandy life. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. Cuckoo. <laughs> And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.